This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez here with you. We're recording this on Thursday, May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. And we got some stuff to celebrate here as we move along into the month of May. We've also got Andrew Glukov and Bryson Turner with us here today. We got a busy, it's a busy show as we move through the spring. And, we're, and again, full-blown off-season topics that we're going to talk with you about today. Uh, we're going to talk some a little bit of uh, NFL draft, some conference movement stuff happening as well. Some men's and women's basketball uh, got some tr- some more transfers to talk about for the men's side, uh, women's hoops. Uh, Masani Kaba, what's her status with the Chicago Sky? She looks like she's she might be making the roster, but a little bit. Tennis and golf, but gentlemen, we start with the teams that are in action right now. That is UCF softball and UCF baseball. And Eric Lopez, we're going to lead with softball today here because that's exactly what we should be doing. Ain't that right? Darn right. It's only the biggest regular season series in number of years for the program with uh, high stakes as they like to say so uh it, as, as we like to say in softball it's mayhem right now all right so well let's let's set the scene right now UCF softball right 14 and 11, 14 and 1 in the conference first place 42 and 11 overall they've won three in a row they come off of a big sweep of Tulsa at home uh, senior day on Sunday, a combined no hitter plus a walk-off hit to end it, uh, eight nothing in six innings, and uh, and that's where UCF finds themselves right now as they get ready to head to Wichita for a three-game set to end the regular season. Now let's talk about the series that just wrapped up, Elo, um, against Tulsa. First of all, thank God it wasn't played at Tulsa, right? It was at home. Amen. Uh, <laughs> second of all, um. You know, once again, what a celebratory moment for the program to end that series and the home schedule the way that they did. Hopefully, it's not the the last home or home yeah, appearance could for the be. team. Who knows? Could be. We don't know. But uh, but but your your thoughts on the weekend and that sweep of Tulsa? Well, I think the Sunday game was huge. I thought it was the most complete game they've played uh, in a couple of weeks offensively. They you know they kind of been scuffling offensively. They started clicking. In that Sunday game, good balance. Everybody in the starting lineup got a base hit at least. But the story of this team really the last month or so has been their starting pitching. And the one-two punch of Gianna Mancha and Kamal Woodall. And it was fitting that they would throw a combined no-hitter on senior day. Because they have dominated conference play to this point. Uh, They only allowed one run to Tolson, the three-game series. Um, he went while their offense was kind of scuffled a little bit in the first two games. They played good defense. They've been, if you watch Sports Center over the weekend, you would see UCF softball a lot. You saw the Kennedy twice, yeah. yeah. Kennedy seriously making robbing the Tulsa Kylie Norwood of a base hit that could have tied the game on Saturday. Uh, that was a top 10 Sports Center play. And then obviously Sunday, uh, Sports Center did a segment on UCF and, and doing a no hitter. So it was a it was a, a packed weekend from that standpoint, uh, and they took care of business to sweep. And what a what a great great uh, weekend to celebrate that senior class and 
finish off a tremendous regular season home slate uh, where they, by the way, they, they're still top 22 in attendance in the country. Most wins at home uh, in a season since 2016. So that was kind of one of their goals this year was to protect the Plex, as they say. And they did that. They took care of business against Tulsa and really avoided a bad loss on the in their resume. They, you know, that's one of the things is we're got to down the stretch here now is you want to, part of the chances of hosting is you want to avoid a bad loss. And the way you avoid a bad loss is a quad four loss. That would have been the case here if they would have lost the game to Tulsa. Uh, they have zero quad four losses. Their worst loss to this point is a game at Houston. And Houston actually just upset Texas A&M twice on mm-hmm. Wednesday, which is very good news for UCF in their resume because that jumped Houston in the RPI from 87 to 74 and jumped UCF from 17 to 16 as of this morning, uh, as we record this on Thursday morning. So, uh, very successful weekend, awesome weekend, one of the more memorable weekends. And now, for the next, the rest of the year, UCF will be playing for some sort of a championship the rest of the way. So let's let's take let's spin this forward to this Wichita State uh, series that's coming up. UCF is one game up on Wichita. Uh, with three to go. So you got to win two of the three. Is that right? Because if they win two out of three, they yes, you're tied, but they get the tiebreaker. Correct. They would win the so, tiebreaker. They would share yeah. the regular season title, but Wichita would win the uh, which would win the tiebreaker, which means they would get the one seed, which is significant because whoever's going to be the two seed is going to be in the same bracket as South Florida, which means you're going to have to see Georgina Cork more than likely in the semis. Plus... Good chance you're going to have to play ECU, the host school, in the opening round. Yeah. Now, Wichita is 41 in the RPI, at least as of Monday. So, w- give us the lowdown on them right now. Because they've, they've only played, is this right? They've only played eight games at home this season? Yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, Wichita, Kansas is not the most uh, greatest place in the world uh, as far as weather is concerned. Not the most ideal. Uh, so hard to play home games. Yeah, but it's not Syracuse, New York. Uh, it's Wichita. I mean, who wants to play in Wichita? I mean, who's going to fly to Wichita? I mean, it's you know, it's not the most, again, not the most uh, easiest of places Man. to get to. But what they have is a heck of a team, and they have one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. I mean, other than Oklahoma, no team has scored more runs this year than Wichita State. They're led by Addison Barnhart, who is on track to be the first softball player ever in division one to be a first 30 30 player 30 homers 30 steals she's the first division one softball player to be at 25 25 homers and stolen bases uh she's number one in the right now she leads the country in homers leads the country in rbi second in ops somehow usa softball left her out of the top uh, 10 finalists for player of the year and and the top 25 finalists which is baffling but whatever uh, they have Sydney McKinney, the reigning American Conference Player of the Year. Uh, so, you know, they're the team to beat. They're the defending champions. Uh, so it's fitting in a way that for UCF to win the first regular season title since 2015, they're going to have to go through the champs. For Wichita State, this is a big series for them because they do need to win in this uh, some against UCF to add to the resume to get in. Because you mentioned their RPI. They're kind of a bubble team. I personally think they're in. But, you know, a win over UCF would pretty much lock up a bid for Wichita State. For UCF, it's a chance to win a regular season title and really put a uh, a big, big, big statement as far as hosting. Because finally, 
one of the things that's hurt UCF the last few weeks is they haven't played a team inside the top 50 RPI. They'll get a chance this weekend, and if they can beat Wichita State and win the regular season title, man, that puts them a step closer to possibly being in the mix to host. So it's a huge series. You think they got to sweep this or just get two out of three? Depends who you ask, right? Like, I mean, I, I personally think they only need two out of three. Some would say they need a sweep. Um, so it depends on how. I mean, it would be nice to sweep. <laughs> well, you know, a little less margin you, for error. Correct, correct. That's the key. Uh, if you get a sweep, boy, that's that. Then, then that's going to be that's a pretty strong like. Hey, you know, and you know, it's going to be interesting. But I, this this is the group. This is why they've played. This is why they uh, wanted to get to this point they wanted a chance to win a conference title it's unfortunately they got to play in a band box that uh so <laughs> it's it's a which is you know, just a joke where a, a, a blooper might you know turn into a true one a homer and really look i wouldn't be surprised if you see a series similar to what we saw with baseball a couple of weeks ago where it would turn into a football score because that park is the most friendly hitters park in the country by far um if you know and it the key is ucf has is gonna have to keep the ball down and it could come down to which team gives up not only the fewest home runs and keep the ball in the park but if you're gonna give up home runs solo homers don't give up two three run homers or grand slams when ucf made their one trip in 2018 that's what cost them is they gave up two three run homers and grand slams you're gonna give up a homer or two in that park just keep it into solo homers. The good news for UCF is Kama Woodall has won in that park. And obviously Gianna Mancha right now has been on fire. So it's going to be strength versus strength in that series. And, uh, you know, UCF's got, their, I think, their own firepower back after their performance on Sunday on offense. I want to spin forward to the conference tournament too now because it starts on uh, Thursday, uh, a week from when we're recording this, on Thursday, May the 12th. This is why the one seed is so important because – in the tournament, the one seed gets a bye to the semis. So, uh, and looking at it right now, is that yeah? So they've that got right? to, yeah one seed. One seed gets a bye to the semis. How many teams are getting in? No, no, only seven. Seven, seven teams. Oh wow! Yeah. So look at that. We just broke some news on on Eric Lopez oh, here. I, I, I'm I'll like, be, wow. Well, you know why? You know why? Because I've blocked out this tournament since since they took it away from us. I really have not pay, thought about. Oh, it. Oh, I see. That's right. That's right. Well, it's going to be at ECU. Can't, it's homecoming for Cam Woodall. Um, yeah. But I, I think this is this is I think where you're talking about the RPI is really important because you get the one seed, you're not going to be you're not going to have the number eight team on your on your resume dragging down your rpi you're gonna and 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 and, you know you're gonna be playing the winner of what is it four versus five right so at this very second four v five is uh, let's see one two three well there's only seven teams anyway but um four v five is houston and tulsa so ideally you want to play houston right so well, I mean, more ideally, you want to avoid Georgina Corrick in South Florida. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's really the bottom line there. You would like to avoid her as much as possible if you can. But you make a great point with this buy uh, situation. You yeah, you if you whereas you're the two seed, you're going to play a bad team in the two seed as far as RPI wise is concerned. And unfortunately, yeah. the problem UCF is in right now is you're kind of in a narrow margin 
where you have teams like the in the SEC, and I'll, and I'll break down the, the, right now. Okay, I can tell you this. I think there are two spots available right now to host. I think that that, that we really don't know the 15 seed and the 16 seed probably, or to some in that in that area, and it's between UCF, Texas, LSU, Missouri, Georgia. Well, the advantage that the other teams that I mentioned have that UCF doesn't is those teams are going to play quality teams in their respective conference tournaments, especially the SEC, where they just, it's top 50 every game. Whereas, and then Texas will probably get to play Oklahoma State in the Big 12 tournament. So UCF doesn't have that luxury. So they have a lesser room for error, uh, you know, than so those teams. And that's just unfortunate, but that's reality. Uh, so UCF has to kind of be close to perfect here. Um and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's just – if UCF was in the Big 12, like, right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation. They would be hosting. But we're not yet. Are we going to – are you sure? We haven't announced anything yet. Are we sure? We can't We'll announce get that? there. We'll ah. get there. I was going to say, Shannon Doherty's walk-off homer against Georgia is really coming back to help them here. Well, it could be huge. Yeah. And don't forget the walk-off against Virginia Tech. Uh, that's just as significant because Virginia Tech is actually number one now in the RPI. Oh, yeah, they leapfrogged Oklahoma. Who's only lost one game. How did right. that happen? I mean, well, the RPI is flawed. But anyway, well, uh, it's, 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 it's why. And I've told the committee chairperson, uh, Sandy Atkins, about this. If the RPI is not good enough for basketball, it probably isn't good enough for anybody. And I would, again, I think we need to come up with another system uh, for this because UCF has we realize UCF has gone 11 and one in the last 12 games and dropped six spots in the RPI when you're being punished for winning games like you're better off having games getting canceled to improve your RPI you know your system's flawed and that's well I mean well well here's the thing though is like I mean and you know this is it's not about when you play it's about who you play Right. right, and you know, I mean, UCF's opponent this week was a relatively weak opponent. You know, if they had, if they had played, let's say they had played Tulsa at the start of the conference season, and then instead of USF or somebody like, let's let's pick somebody who's who's higher up in the in the RP. Yeah, US. Let's say USF. Right, they opened played, with USF. Right. Then then UCF's RPI would have gone up. Yeah, but the problem is UCF has no control over that. It's not it, that's my issue is you're punishing a team for something they have no control over. But it's every program has this problem. No, right? they don't. Right. Not the SEC. Not the SEC. That's well, no, that's well, my point. Like, well, the, the SEC and the Pac-12 are really strong. I mean, Utah is 43rd. Big 12. In the Pac in the Pac-12, and they're 24 and 24, and they're 43rd. Right. You, know, you you go a little bit below that. South Carolina at 48 has a losing record. I right. mean. You get the benefit. Yeah, the issue of, is the issue is who you play. It's not when you play. Yeah, but 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 again, why do you think UCF, UCF's changing conferences? It this is it's stuff like this. Good point. No, I agree. If again, that's why I said if we're in the Big Twelve, we wouldn't have this problem because in the Big Twelve, the worst team, Kansas, is inside the top one hundred. But my point is that my issue with the committee is they need to look at that. Like to me, you should punish teams in the non-conference because the non-conference you have control in who you play. The conference you don't. Like UCF doesn't have a choice; they have to play Tulsa. You can't go to the conference and say, "Guys, we rather not play to help our resume." If you don't mind, just could you know? It doesn't work that way. 
you know, you see, so as a result, when you look at the stats, it's going to look like the SEC played the SEC teams. Oh, look at the SEC. They played all these great games in the top 50. Well, yeah, because they get to play them every weekend in the top 50 because it's skewed. It's skewed towards the major conferences. So, yeah, it's tough for a mid-major. And I do think this is significant. I think this is a very significant moment for mid-majors. Because if you see, if I, I can tell you this. As of this morning, and again, this could change drastically. UCF right now has 12 wins against the top 50. They have the 16th strongest non-conference schedule. She did, they did what they had to do. Every non-Power 5 team since 2008 that's had 10 wins or more against the top 50 has gone on to host. So if UCF doesn't host, they will go down as the best probably non-Power 5 team not to host. And I do wonder... With all this realignment, with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC and et cetera, et cetera, if the days of a mid-major hosting in baseball and softball and any sport are dead, and that to me would be unfortunate, but we could be headed in that direction, and and this could be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Now, UCF's got to take care of their business here. We're getting ahead of themselves. They need to take care of this business this weekend because if they don't win the conference regular season title, they're prob- that's probably going to be the excuse they're going to use for them not to host, even though there is no requirement to host, uh, to, to win a conference title, to be a host. But you know the committee will use that as an excuse, and I don't know if them losing this weekend and then winning the conference tournament would be enough for them to host. Well, you got to Your- expect some cannibalization on on those conferences, the SEC, the Pac-12, and nope. even to a yeah. lesser extent, the Big 12. There's going to be some cannibalization still to be come. You know, Oregon is a fringe team for you know well no, no, i'm gonna tell you right now oregon has no business host, and this is again that's a great example i'm glad you brought that up drew oregon is the example of why the rpi is a fraud right they have zero <laughs> zero wins against the top 25 zero you see they have quality win. losses yeah that, exactly <laughs> ucf has four top 25 wins oregon has oregon is eight and 14 against the top 50 the only reason why they have the 16th they're in the 60 and they actually dropped to 17 this morning according to my rpi the this morning is because they have the strongest schedule quote unquote which is very misleading as well uh the rpi is flawed i give credit to back wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute doesn't that have to do with their non-conference like you were saying it has to do with the pac 12 as well uh, UCF actually, stacked. UCF has a stronger non-conference schedule than Oregon, but Oregon, because okay. they're in the Pac-12, that's, again, that's the advantage they have. And to Drew's point earlier, this is why UCF has to move to the Big 12. Forget the finances, although we'll discuss that because, God, nobody can shut up about it anymore. Uh, Competition-wise, this will help all the UCF teams, well, not host, because the Big 12 tournaments uh will be all neutral sites but as far as hosting regions ncaa yeah yeah if, if they're still an ncaa by then absolutely well it's we'll not going away in two in, in two years no not no, yet everyone's it's gonna take longer than that for any here's, here, here, here's my all right so your your softball bracketologist rival eric lopez hayden king of college Ooh. sports madness oh god not him uh, has uh has i trust has you UC- I, you can do a bracket better than him but has ahead. ucf as a, a going to gainesville and no. florida as an Whoa. as the eight overall seed and two two uh 24 247 sports also has ucf as a second seed going to gainesville we're original but, guys Whoa. but florida and that in that bracketology is an 11 seed not an eight seed 
Uh, now, I, Flo- now, Florida right now, I should say their RPI is nine. Correct. So I have Florida as an eight seed right now. So do you uh, have do you have UCF hosting in yours? I do. I have them as a fifteen right now. I think they have a better resume than Texas. Uh, I think it would be a joke if Texas host. However, Texas plays games on the Longhorn Network, and a certain network likes to have every regional televised, and it would help them if Texas hosted because they could put that regional on the Longhorn Network. Now, these guys don't have don't have Texas. Uh, don't, well, they shouldn't host. host. They have, but, you know, but they have, they, uh, they have. Let's see. They have Duke at fifteen. That's a little Kentucky at Kentucky. Oh at God, 16. Kentucky. That's the example. Kentucky shouldn't be hosting. No, Kentucky, Tennessee, at, Tennessee at fourteen. That's low. Who is these clowns? What are you doing? Just follow, follow, follow extra inning softball. Follow extra inning softball. I know what I'm talking. Kentucky twenty. Kentucky twenty one in the RPI. Well, right the now. problem with the reason why Kentucky's always a is attractive is the stupid four hundred mile radius rule because everybody in the country can bust in Lexington basically, so it's an easy regional to fill out with three teams to bust there. Which is why we need to get rid of the 400 mile radius, which we will once we get rid of the NCAA, which will happen when Drew four, four or five years. We're thinking uh, it, it's going to be a little bit. Um, Never. There, there's still stuff to play out. I, I honestly do not believe that Division One wants to get rid of the NCAA. They would have already. They were. They would have already left. They don't want to do it. It's I, a pain well, to run. No, it's this not. Stuff. It's not the Division One. It's the. It's the major conferences. It's the power it's, five. It's, the, it's the power five. They they talked about leaving. They used the threat of leaving to get their autonomy. They were. It, it was a bluff. Well, really. we'll, get, we'll get there in a second. We'll get it anyway. We'll, so we'll anyway. get there. Listen, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that that slippery slope. Just. But look, like I said, it, look, it's a we'll big get series. There. It's a big series. UCF. Either way, look, look. Yes, if UCF does not host, are they going to go to Gainesville? More than likely. Absolutely, they're going to go to Gainesville, more than likely, because uh, the way the system's set up, they're going to be sent there because of the mile radius. And again, they don't seed 17 through 32. That's a misconception. And I don't blame the committee for this. This is the NCAA's fault, because they're cheap. They're a bunch of cheap bastards uh, who deserve to lose all their jobs. So tell us how you really feel, Eric. Stop holding yeah, back. I'm, I'm on the power. I'm on the major. Co- now that we're going to the big 12, I'm on their side. Get rid of the NCAA. Let's run our business, baby. Let's go. But um, so as a result, I don't know if the possibility of UCF hosting a regional is going to be that much higher in a, in an all P five tournament. I just I think, well, big 12. Yeah. I mean, they could win the big 12. I mean, it's them at Oklahoma. State, well, yeah, possibly. So yeah, I mean, the big 12 is strong in softball, but anyway. never say never. <laughs> never uh but you know who knows but like so it we'll see what happens but yes if ucf right now it's either hosting and if they don't they're probably going to be a strong two seed in gainesville because it is an even year and we always go to gainesville um uh bryson you had a question yes so ucf is at 16 in the rpi right now right so it uh, is there something that can happen to the teams directly ahead of them that if they if they stumble this weekend that or in their conference tournaments that that could help UCF's chances to host now our, obviously the RPI is a flawed rank well you so gotta win against Wichita first of all you, yeah you, you, you gotta take care of your business that's first. Your best, yeah. that's no your obviously that first but what I mean season. is like what can give them a little nudge you yeah know, it'll little be great if Texas like, loses to Baylor uh be great it'd be great if Florida crapped out no, that's not happening. I mean, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, that's that's that sale is shipped or whatever the term would be. Uh, you, you need teams sale. like you need teams like Kentucky, 
and LSU. You need those well, guys to stumble. You need, and, and, you need the well, fringe teams to stumble. Exactly. And more importantly, and that's, it's not just this weekend. It's next week in the SEC tournament. You don't need, for example, a Georgia or an LSU or a Missouri or Kentucky to get to the SEC final because the SEC tournament influences. Uh, I've seen it over the years. It influences who hosts. Like there's a few oh, years geez. ago when Old Miss won the SEC tournament I, nobody had them hosting and going into the SEC tournament. They win the SEC tournament. They hosted. So that's that's the type of stuff. And then you need Texas to lose to Oklahoma right. State again if they play in the Big 12 tournament. So things like that. But UCF has to take care of their own business. Can we talk, can we talk real quick about, about Florida, by the way, Eric, like you were mentioning? They, they don't have any SEC games left the rest of this, the rest right. of the regular season. They're, they're at home for their last four against, against a, an absolute murderer's row of Mercer twice and Florida Gulf Coast twice before Oof. they Ooh, go God. before they <laughs> before they play the SEC tournament which will be located in Gainesville, Florida. Man, that that's uh, a yeah, I'm going right to that tournament. I mean, I'm going yeah. next week. I mean, it's the first time well, that uh at Florida's hosted the SEC softball tournament since Your 05. best hope for this is to have uh either, you know, have basically chalk it. You know, have Alabama and Arkansas run their ways through. That's UCF's best opportunities. Yeah. Same thing with with the the Pac twelve and the Big twelve. Chalk it. Let yep. the let the top guys. They're not going anywhere. Let them, you know, move to the top and let the fringe guys in the middle fall off. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Eric Jada Cody. What's the latest on uh, her chase for the RBI record? Well, she's at sixty two RBIs on the season. That's four away from tying Stephanie Best, who had sixty six. In 2003, I keep reminding Does the postseason count towards those numbers? Okay. It does count. Keep in mind, too, back then they played way more games than they do now. Like, I think Steph Steph did 66 RBIs in 68 games in 03, Uh, whereas Jada Cody is currently, what, in her 53 games through. So Mm -hmm. she's still ahead of the pace. Uh, You know, but the bigger story there, you know, so I think she still has a shot to break it. It'll be close. Uh, but hopefully she does. Heck, Wichita's a very friendly hitters park, as I've mentioned. So, would not surprise me if she has a if she has a good weekend this weekend. She could break it this weekend. But I think the All key right. for for them is Shannon Doherty. She had a monster weekend uh, against uh, uh, Tulsa, and that's huge because when Doherty and Cody and Searcy run this offense, they're the power bats. They're the explosive bats. Everybody else is more the contributing bats, the small bats, if you will. Uh, and they need to be solid. They're going to have to score runs against Wichita State. You can't depend on Mancha and Woodall to shut down this offense in that park because that park should really be illegal. But that's my opinion on that. <laughs> I mean, I would abolish that. How can a ballpark be illegal? <laughs> because it's a joke. I think it's like 190 to left. It should be 200 to left, 220 to center. Like, that baseball series against <laughs> Wichita was a joke. But whatever. Um, I don't have say. Thankfully, the, the good news is... Hopefully, and it should be, will be the last time UCF has to ever go to Wichita for softball. So, um, they, they still have to play next year. Yeah, but that'll be here in a real park. You know, a fr- an actual <laughs> a real park. softball a complex. Real, Eric, I think park. you're being way too modest here. Yeah, wow. you think? Uh, we'll all see. right, so so uh, here's where to watch it. All three games are on ESPN Plus Correct. in Wichita. Friday at 7, Saturday at 2, Sunday at 1. And again, Eric... UCF has to win two of three at Wichita to clinch the regular season title yep. and win the uh, and and the number one seed for the conference tournament next week at ECU, which would help 
ostensibly help their RPI and also smooth the path since, again, single elimination tournament, which you know how I feel about that, but... Um, uh, changing. Only, only, changing. Two, only, only, only two wins to win the title. So, like 2015, ironically, UCF had a bye when they won the regular season title in 2015. So they only had to play the semis. They beat South Florida, and then Samantha McClowski yeah. hit a walk off against Tulsa to win the championship when we hosted, like we were supposed to host this year. Did I mention that we were supposed to host? We were supposed to host this year, which we will get. We'll get to more of that in a second. <clears throat> in the next second, but. Let's move over to baseball um, real quick. UCF got uh, the win over UNF 8-5 to five, uh, last night uh, in, the, in their midweek. <clears throat> Three home runs in that ballgame for UCF. Uh, Cameron Crane got the W, uh, and a UCF pan out 13 hits in that game. Noah Orlando had a 4-for-5 four day. Really nice job for him. So that takes us to uh, baseball's schedule right now. And... The situation for UCF right now in baseball is they are one game back, tied with Houston, one game back of ECU for first place. ECU, remember after last week, UCF, you know, took care, did what they had to do against Tulane, but ECU swept their series, so ECU has that one game edge over Houston and UCF right now for the regular season title. UC, uh, the Knights are right now at twenty-seven and seventeen, ten and five in the conference, and. Now they have to go to South Florida for three. Friday at 6.30, Saturday 2, Sunday at 1. Uh, all those games will be on the radio. Will they be, I, I don't think they're, they're not listing them as on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if that's the case or not. They should be on ESPN+. Yeah, this, uh, one thing that's frustrated me with this with the way the schedule page is, is look, worked is that they don't seem to put the TV things on the road games. Like, for example, North Florida – was on ESPN Plus, and yeah, I had always no... Go, I always go, I'll go to the opposing site. The USF is carrying. Yeah, let me look up real quick. Go, Ryan uh, Urquhart, my friend, actually reached out. He's going to be the color commentator, I believe, for the series. So they are going to... Okay, so yeah. they, so they, that is going to be on ESPN Plus. And, and Urquhart, Urquhart's good. He, he knows what he's doing. Although they're... South Florida right now is very vulnerable at 23 and 21, and they got boat raced by Florida uh, their last time out, 18 to 3. They've lost four in a row, including uh, getting swept by Houston over the past weekend. But um, <clears throat> so, yes, uh, ESPN Plus uh, for those three for those three games uh, via USF. So, uh, Bryson, situation right now for UCF is pretty clear, right? Just keep winning. Um, you know, you, we could talk about the regular season title all we want, but you know, right now, like, like Eric, you said before, this is a down year for the American. So the real thing is going to be the tournament, which is going to give you the buy. But Bryson, the situation right now for UCF baseball is if you want to make your path as easy as possible, just keep getting wins, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, for sure. The higher seed that you can get, the better. Because if it's a down year in the American, then that means that getting a, a, a say, a one-seed matchup versus eight-seed would absolutely be paramount, especially since you can get that you can if you win that first round game you get the day off the next day which is huge for yeah for the bullpen which the bullpen has been a source of a bit of struggle for love lady as of recently you talk about that north florida game where the ucf had a seven to one lead in the sixth inning after after starter cameron crane and then reliever jacob marlowe and then ever since and then since then they gave up four runs that, that got it to within 
three. The good news is, is that they actually have run support now. Yeah. So now they actually are able to hold off a, a late rally, which I am all ha amazingly happy about. And I also would, would, would like to mention Ben Vespi has quietly been like kind of, I guess, working his way because he has a 2.25 ERA right now and had the game of his career on set against Tulane on Saturday where they had, he had a pitcher's duel with Tulane's Dylan Carmouche and, and UCF ended up getting the two, a, a two to one win thanks to two, two runs scored in the seventh, but a very well-pitched game there by Ben Vespi. And considering the starting pitching injury struggles, with UCF on Connor with Connor Stain and Hunter Patterson, having a guy like Ben Vespi come in and do that, absolutely, absolutely paramount. And then I've mentioned before how the offense is how the offense seems to have redeemed itself. And what's amazing enough is that they were down another bat against Tulane. Lex Bodecker was out one of the who has is one of the the hitters with a batting average higher higher than three hundred. He was out with a back injury this week. Now he was back. For North Florida, so it seems like Tulane, which is to kind of rest him a little bit and not injure injure him any further. I mean, I wouldn't blame Lovelady if I was in on that one, but the fact that they didn't even have him for that series, what, and they still got got the two one series win, absolutely absolutely huge, absolutely well done. And I, 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 it's, I couldn't say anything more. Tulane is a conference opponent that you needed to get the series win against, and they did that. So absolutely yeah. well done. Huge for huge on Sunday to get that win as well. So now you spin it forward to South Florida. And then I think this is actually key also for UCF on Wednesday after the South Florida series. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but look, there's a good opportunity. You get two out of three on the road at South Florida. I think you're pretty happy, even though they're four and 11 in conference chance for a sweep, but just win the series as far as I'm concerned. Um, then you play at number two, Miami on Wednesday. Oh yeah. And that's an opportunity to really boost your RPI because as I'm looking at these rankings here, you know, and, and we've discussed this, you know, at length, but uh, UCF doesn't have a very favorable RPI for an at large uh, bid right now. I'm, I'm 92. They're 92. 92. Yeah. So the, part of the problem is the league is number nine in conference RPI yeah, that's, right now, that's which low. is for Miami's are right now. Miami's RPI is 12. Yeah. So if they can I, get, if they can get that win on the yeah. road, it's I'm, I'm not saying it's going to jump them, you know, jump them past the bubble range, but it's going to help, right? Oh, it helps, but I think unfortunately because of the league being so down, which I'm surprised. I don't. Do you have any theories, Jeff? Why the league is down this much? Because this league is normally top five. This is they're on pace to be the worst year ever for this league in baseball. Uh, D1 baseball only has East Carolina projected to be in as the automatic bid as a three seed. Uh, I'm just kind of stunned at how down this league is. I mean, the Big Ten is ahead of them. I mean, good Lord. I mean, they they, they play in snow over there. I mean, I, what are we doing? Uh, Conference I, I think it's ahead been... of them, the Sun Belts ahead of them, the Missouri Valley's ahead of them. It's hard for me to say. I think that the one real problem is, and I think UCF is kind of a, a victim of this a little bit, is especially in the early season, you know, the pitching was was a real struggle for some of the top of the league. Like ECU got off to a bad start. I think that didn't help anybody. Tulane was Tulane got off pretty rough. I think um, 
you know, it's it, it is just one of those it is just one of those years for the American. I, I don't think it's this is necessarily a trend. Although, you know, I think the league is also still adjusting to not having UConn uh, in baseball. I mean, UConn consistently, and we, there's no arguing this. Consistently was a was a top notch baseball program. Yeah, but they didn't have them last year, and the league was strong. Yeah, but it, but what I'm saying is, it's still it, it's still a it, the the tail of that is long. I mean, right? you yeah, remember this I, season. I, I, sorry, I, I was know. saying you remember this season started with Ryan Kloster, former UCF co- coach Ryan Klosterman, they, it, it def- swept ECU to begin the season. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 been a dis- it's tough year, but but I'm looking at UCF's resume. I'm looking at their nitty gritty. They have wins over Georgia Southern, which is significant. Georgia Southern is number seven in the number RPI. seven. Yeah. Miami, they have a win who's 12 in the RPI. Uh, that's pretty good. The problem, the reason why their RPI is so bad is they have six losses. As of right now, they have six losses against the quad four. And those are teams like Jacksonville, North Florida, and then the, you know, Greensboro. And, you know, those are losses that are just kind of hurting this team right now in the resume. But even they if kinda... you flip that, even if you flip them, I don't know if that boosts them all that much more, does it? No, but it, it. I mean, when you lose, I mean, obviously four, it helps, but I don't know. You lose quad four games, man. You're, you're. I mean, it's that. It just, just sucks you down. It's tough to recover from that. And the problem is the remaining schedules in the conference, like Houston, right now is seventy six. Uh, normally, the beauty of the American is that you can make up ground easily because of how strong the league is. But that's just not the case this year. Houston's down. Everybody's down. They, we finished so, but, the season with Cincinnati, and they're one six, one hundred and sixty six right, in the RPI. Right. I mean, it, you know, it's just tough, and it's tough, and it's tough to sweep anybody. So your odds are you're going to get a loss. So, um, but like you said earlier, they need to just focus on trying to put themselves in the best position. Look, you're still going to get rings if you win the regular season title. The only reason why we bring this up. I don't want some people like our boy Noah, man. He's got a really, he's a diehard, passionate baseball guy. He gets excited when they win these series. I remind him, don't get your hopes up. Just because you win the regular season title does not mean you're going to the NCAA tournament. See, it's the automatic bid is the tournament. Like it or not. I mean, I don't like it, but uh, that's the way it is. So, you like you said, you got to hope you put yourself in the right position and peak at the right time and stay healthy for the love of God. Yeah, talking about staying healthy, I really want because we started conference play with USF. And I want to like kind of put the notion out there that USF is like a dark reflection of what UCF is going right now. Because you look at the injuries that UCF is is going through right now. They have lost some of their best hitters with Nick Romano and Alex Freeland. They they have lost Hunter Patterson for the year, and Connor Stain has been kind of um I guess um, it's been hindered. You look at USF and they also have issue, injury issues as well with I- injuries in their bullpen. Their, their ace pitcher, Jack Josiah, he at, was had a non-specified upper extremity injury right before the first UCF series. And now I recently read on uh, the Oracle that w- with an article about USF's injury problems that Josiah is out for the season. And then Drew Brutcher, who was one of their best hitters in the first in the first series. We did stop him for very well. UCF did stop him very well, but he's still a very good hitter for the program. He still leads them in home runs. 
he he got a he was out going was going to be out for a month starting on April 14th with a, a low with a low an unspecified lower body injury. So USF has been going through injury problems of its own. And you look at where they are in the conference standings right now. In my opinion, it really speaks to how well we've been able to recover from the injuries that we've had and still be able to compete for the conference regular season title while USF is going through similar injury struggles and they're at the bottom of the barrel. Well, let's hope they stay injured for the rest of the year, right, Drew? We, we <laughs> need USF to stay injured for the rest of the year. That's okay. We're fine with that. Uh, yeah, um, we, we need all the help we can get. <laughs> What are you doing reading the Oracle, by the way? What are you doing? Like you're I was just I just wanted to see if Jack Desayek was gonna play because uh-huh, Jack Desayek yeah, is a good pitcher. Uh-huh, yeah. He's a good pitcher, Eric. He's a good I mean, if you want if you're a Glenn USF for punishment, they won the conference tournament last season. If you're a Glenn for punishment, I have plenty of other places you could go to 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 make your eyes bleed. I, but but come on, man. It was just the one article. I was just trying to find new. I was just trying to find updates on the on the injuries, and I did. Never gonna, you're never gonna fault. You ne- I'm never gonna fault anybody for doing a little extra research outside. You know, wherever they need to be. But uh, but the story for UCF against USF in Tampa again Friday six thirty Saturday two Sunday going, Drew? one on going? ESPN Are you, you Plus. Taking the family there, Drew? Uh, no. <laughs> I'd rather go. To my, I'd rather go to some minor league baseball that's wow. like ten minutes away. Wow. Ah, Plus. Ooh. Don't forget number two, my number two Miami on Wednesday at six. I mean, I mean, especially considering that they beat that UCF beat Miami earlier in the season. You get that win on the road, and that's huge. I mean, hope we'll see what happens, but oh man, I would love to win that game. I'd rather sweep USF and drop the Miami. Actually, I, I well, at gunpoint, yeah. I mean, it's because know, but, the conference uh, standings are going to bat. I mean, the Miami game. It's not going to matter the big in the landscape of things. The conference sweep, a, a sweep over USF at this point would help you in the conference race because you're going to have to. It's I think East Carolina somehow Cliff Godwin's figured it out. They've been a different team since they arrived here at UCF and took it to us. I think they're still the team to beat. Uh, that game, the Miami game, is also an ACC Network extra, which is also part of the ESPN online stream. Is it? Would that be? Is that available up here? It is yes. now, and uh, and this is important for a lot of people here. If you, because a lot of people obviously by now that are following baseball and softball, log into ESPN Plus. You got to make sure when you watch a game like on ACC Network Extra, you have to have a different login. It's usually with your cable provider. It's different than ESPN. It's a good point. Whole, and I know because I get messages about this when UCF softball is playing Florida. I under it's confusing. I hope ESPN figures this out eventually where they can just log in one login, but ESPN plus login is separate than logging into sec network or ACC network. You have to have your cable provider, or I guess maybe uh, Jeff, you could speak to this. If you have YouTube, there's a way you could do it as well, but basically it's a separate login. So in other words, if you try to log in under your ESPN plus login, it will not work. Yeah, if you're okay, so so here's how this works. If you're a Spectrum customer, this the app checks whether or not you're a, a you know or another like coaxial cable company, right? It checks whether or not you're you subscribed to them rather than using your ESPN Plus login. It, it's it's like you have to access it through your login with your TV provider. If you are a cord cutter like me and you use either like Hulu TV or TV Plus, I should say, or YouTube TV, ESPN's app automatically checks your subscription status with that TV provider. You just tell them what your TV provider, 
they automatically go check it and then it's and then it's seamless it's much more seamless if you're a cord cutter than if you're a regular cable subscriber so I mean, that's probably the point i think <laughs> yeah I, I, yes that is exactly all right, right. Well, yeah, drew drew looks conf- like stunned right now he's uh he's, he's stunned by this development it's you know tv what are you gonna do it's, but it's tv right. i mean i've got espn plus uh i use my dad's espn account i'm what? all covered no you using somebody uh, else's login i'm shocked I'm he lives shocked. two minutes away who would do here such co- a thing? I'll here come the right. Netflix police. They're coming for you, Drew. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, that That's a whole nother monster right there. Yeah. All right. Speaking of a whole other monster, uh, when we get back, we're going to talk NFL draft when we return. Uh, oh five nights have been uh, have landed with NFL teams. One of them got their name picked in the draft. We'll quickly go over that. Some big stories on conference movement and also some uh, – basketball stories that we wanted to get to as well in a little bit stick around black and gold banner podcast is back after this welcome back to the black and gold banner podcast jeff sharon eric lopez here with you along with andrew gukov and bryson turner follow us at ucf banneret underscore sbn on twitter that's where you can follow all the latest content that we have for you about ucf including NFL draft wrap. All right, so uh, we previewed it earlier, but uh, the situation was for UCF. The year after we set a school record with five NFL draft picks, UCF gets only one NFL draft pick this year, but it is the sixth consecutive year that UCF sees at least one player taken, and that was Kalia Davis in the sixth round, pick number 220, going to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Davis, who uh, you know looked really good at the start of last year, uh, then got hurt. Of course, remember, he opted out due to COVID in 2020. Um, has a bit of an uphill climb, Drew, to make this uh, roster, I think, because, you know, the Niners are pretty strong defensively up front. What do you think is the situation for Kalia out in Santa Clara? Well, we know Kalia Davis is still still in recovery mode, still working on getting back to 100%. He didn't, he didn't do everything during his pro day. And, and several and, guys, including including our buddy Rini Angolia, forgive me, Drew, they had said that he would have been day two had it not oh, been yeah. for that injury. Uh, multiple analysts, you know, ESPN, NFL Network, all said the same thing. He would have been a day two guy, potentially second round uh, if he was at 100%, obviously. Uh, and the, the Niners know this. The Niners got a steal. This, this was a big steal, you know, getting him as late as they did. Uh, I think based on talent alone, his trajectory, he should be back to 100% by the time fall camp starts, and, and I expect him to to make the roster. Uh, may not be as a, a you know may you know be as a, a fringe guy in the defensive line as he kind of works his way in, but I mean Davis is is great physically. He has good pursuit. He's able to shed blocks really well. I mean his, his highlight reel is is fantastic, and and people buzz about him. And NFL draft Knicks buzz about him. The, there's a reason why he's he's by far out of all the guys involved, you know, with the four undrafted free agents, he's the one who's got the best chance of latching onto the roster. Uh, he fits in San Francisco. It's a, it's a good organization to be with. And, and I think the cards are really in his favor. Yeah. Four other guys were picked as undrafted or, or, or picked up rather, I should say as undrafted free agents, Cole Schneider to the green Bay Packers to help out Aaron Rodgers, hopefully up front, big cat Bryant signed with the Dallas Cowboys uh Brandon Johnson went to the Denver Broncos and Marcus Tatum 
uh, offensive lineman to the Jacksonville Jaguars to hopefully earn a spot in front of protecting Trevor Lawrence. Of those four, Drew, who do you think has the best shot to latch on? I actually think it's Cole Schneider. Uh, you know, you know, Marcus Tatum, uh, you know, has, has been up and down in his, his time at UCF since he transferred over. Uh, Cole Schneider brings versatility. And, and we saw this with, uh, with Justin McCray. You know, it may have taken a little bit of time for him to kind of latch on, but his versatility is what made him valuable in the league. He's played with multiple teams, has had to play uh, three to four different positions on the line, and was able to, to be serviceable in all of them. Uh, that's something that Cole Schneider brings to the table. He's an offensive guard by, by nature, but he can play center. You know, he, he has that, that, that skill and experience. That's valuable, you know, especially uh, when offensive linemen go down you know, more nowadays we see ACL tears and everything just because bodies are getting bigger and stronger. Ligaments don't, they don't change. And, and we're not meant to torque the way that we do and move the way that we do. And so you're seeing more of these injuries. So you need that versatile guy who can basically work as two guys for the price of one. I think he's got the best chance of latching on, uh, on the flip side. I think the guy who has the worst chance of latching on, uh, some people may disagree with me is big cap Bryant. Uh, he's he's not sized correctly. He's too small to be a defensive end. He's not a linebacker. So you're going to have to find a way to kind of he, – he's stuck in like the tween he's, zone. He's big. He's 6'5", but 245. So it's like he's where tall, do you want to end but up? he's not big enough. Well, I think the, I think the main issue there is is where he got picked up at Dallas. Like that team is stacked defensively. They've got yeah, a, I was a, little, a, I was a little number surprised. of guys. I was a little surprised that Dallas picked him up. The thing is with the undrafted free agents, you know, you get – four or five offers and you pick the one that's best for you. So I, I'm a little surprised this match ever happened. Um, Dallas doesn't need him. Uh, you know, Brandon Johnson has a better chance of fitting in Denver than big cat does. In Dallas. He's he's now Brandon, I think is a guy who has, I, I think has a much better shot than people think in Denver. Russell, remember Russell Wilson's in Denver. Now I thought that Denver's wide receiver core last year was pretty weak. Um, there's uh, you know, and, and I think what is underappreciated for Brandon is the fact that remember his dad, Charles longtime MLB catcher, right? Okay. Not an NFL player, obviously MLB, but understands what you have to do at the professional level in order to get better. Right. That sort of, uh, that institutional knowledge is valuable. I really think it. I really think it is valuable. Plus, the connection with Russell Wilson being a former baseball player too. But so I, I, I like where Brandon landed in Denver, and I would not be surprised to see him latch on that roster. I, I think he has a great opportunity as well to latch on. You're, you're right about the the wide receiver core. the The front end isn't bad. You have uh, Cortland Sutton, Jared Judy, and Tim Patrick. That's not. Yeah, a but then bad that's it. Line. And then you, you got, you know, um. Just some some guy, you know, Ken, uh, Montreal, Washington, Kendall. Hinton. That that's nothing. Uh, that that there's there's no depth there. Uh, so there's yeah. an opportunity there for him to to kind of you know break in. The problem with Brandon Johnson, he's he he's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't have great speed. What he does have is a good head on his shoulders and good hands. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely screams possession receiver. He can take a hit. Uh, that's kind of one He's of the guys a touchdown he, machine. And he, well, that, that comes back also with field awareness. Um, yeah. He knows how to get into the end zone and, and make tough catches. I mean, he made some really tough catches last year. 
yeah, uh, keeping his feet in bounds. Obviously now NFL is two feet versus one, but still there were some tough catches in there that, that he was able to, to pull in and, and get a score. So that I think about that to, one that he had at U, against USF. That was exactly. a big play where he where he there were several times where he really helped Mikey Keen out exactly. in terms of his. Well, it's, it's almost and, like I, I mean I, I don't want to go to get too far here, but it's kind of like Chris Carter esque how he you know his field awareness like you were talking about and and being able to get his feet in bounds that that well, diving catch he made there. against USF he got two feet in on that yeah. one. I was like there's that one's good on there. Sundays and and it comes so. from the the receiver and the quarterback. The quarterback knows if you're going to throw a ball put it where only the receiver can get it. If yeah. he can't get it, no one can get it. So you get those sideline passes and you have the trust in Brandon Johnson with his hands and field awareness. He's going to make that catch. And he did it on multiple occasions. Uh, that's where he's going to be valuable is, is making those type of catches. Uh, he's his problem is speed. He doesn't have it. And that could play against him when you're dealing with the NFL and big guys, but, and, and you know, stronger and faster guys, but you know, he may be able to match up well, uh, in the slot against a linebacker, you know, that yeah. may be where his niche is. And, you know, he does have a chance to, he's, to impress and latch yeah. on. Yeah. He's not a slot guy. He's uh he's an outside guy. So we'll keep an eye on those four guys as they uh, fight for their way for a roster spot, as well as Kalia, see how his recovery is going. Kalia has been great on social media or like really, you know, keeping everybody updated on it. And I, I love when he posts up there and, uh, and, and it, the other thing that I th- is underappreciated Hey, he's going out to the valley. Uh, a streamer himself, right? So. Oh yeah, he's he's a streamer. He writes his own newsletter. I mean, his newsletter is great. Like I, I loved reading his newsletter. He's fantastic. He gets it off the field. So. You know, All during right, so, the off season, you need to bring him on here, have him like as a, as a as a guest contributor. Yeah. So. All right, let's uh, move over to uh, some bigger news that was afoot earlier this week, which will enable us to speculate recklessly, which is one of our favorite things to do. Um, so uh, some conference stuff to uh, to discuss. The uh, word came out, I think it was uh, Brett McMurphy, um, and uh, was uh, he wasn't the first one to report it, was he? I forget. Yeah, he was. He was. Oh, he was okay. So, well, John um, Rostein reported all. Well, Rostein. No, well, that was no, well, we talked no, about that. Oh, we talked about that last week. But Brett McMurphy uh, came now out. Now we have and actual said, details. Do we? Because I don't think of, we. I don't think we have any more new details than we did last week. I think everybody's full of crap right now. But go ahead. Well, there's a couple things that we do need to talk about here. Is that the the settlement that UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are negotiating? Uh, according to McMurphy, is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to $20 million each. Mike Oresco was initially trying to get as much as $35 million from each of those teams, but they look to have um, brought that down. Um, and there's also, uh, and also that, that will have a domino effect on the teams that are coming into the American. But I think this is more, much more in line, Eric, with what we were thinking would happen with uh in terms of the buyout because remember the yukon buyout was 17 million dollars so uh, and they were able to and they had a much shorter lead time right they left uh, i think well short of i think the 27 yeah, months yeah. i forget exactly i think they might have only given 12 months but uh but you know now with ucf cincinnati and houston sort of approaching a financial settlement this looks like it could be 
approaching the end, don't you think? Yeah, just announce it already. Like, I mean, stop with the going through media people and trying to get every nickel here. I think well, wait a second, Eric. Who would be going through media people? All, all <laughs> the parties involved. That's well, I mean, something to keep in mind is you know you have to you have to expect that what happened in Conference USA with Southern Miss Marshall sure. ultimately played a role in this. I agree. Uh, as, we're, as we found out, okay, explain the, to the audience for what you're, what you're talking about because that, that was a significant moment there. I do basically the the rule within the bylaws of Conference USA said they had to give a, a certain amount of waiting, uh, a certain like much like the uh, the the American says 27 months. You have to give a 27 month notice. Otherwise, you negotiate outside of the bylaws to to some sort of settlement. Well, Conference USA tried to hold that line against these schools while the schools tried to negotiate a financial settlement. So you had this impasse and it went to court and conference USA got torched uh, by it because it was causing uh, material injury to these universities. So, you know, Marshall files a lawsuit in West Virginia, West Virginia is going to back Marshall because it's a school within their state that's being materially injured by being stuck in conference USA for an extra year when they, when they don't want to be. So they went back to the table, they negotiated a buyout, and Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss are joined the Sun Belt as of 2022 versus 2023. That had to have played a role in this because, I mean, the idea of coming down from 35 million all the way almost down to 17 of what UConn paid a few years ago, that's huge. So, I mean, there, there's, there has to be some hardball being played here. That's one reason why it's taken so long for this negotiation to even, it's not even done yet. One th- well, one thing that we think might be playing into that, Drew, and Matt Marcello of the Orlando Sentinel uh, came out this week and said that the 17 to $20 million settlement, uh, okay, fine, but uh, this is according to Matt Marcello. A source told the Orlando Sentinel that negotiations are ongoing and the reported exit figures aren't close to what are being discussed at this time, this is called this this you know the, the media war is going on where the, the media is being used as mouthpieces yeah. for different parties Correct. to say different things. Obviously, that sounds like a pro American athletic conference position Correct. where oh no, those numbers aren't right. We're not done yet. You know, here, wonder, versus, wonder who Murphy, that wonder who wonder who that might have been. Well, here's versus Nick Murphy, right. who definitely right. comes off as as from the school standpoint, where the school's like, yeah, this is kind of where it's going to end up being. So you're, well, you're seeing. Right. Right. Uh, you're seeing the media used as the mouthpiece for yeah. the two sides to fight each other. Uh, and it's kind of, and and, kind of and bringing it out to the right. public. And here's what's probably going to end up happening. They'll probably end up making a deal and it'll probably be something like 22 million. So basically all parties were right. That's eh, around 17 and 20. No, no, it's way more than that. Oh, it's 22 million. Wow. See, that's how this stuff works out. Or it could be lower. Who knows? I don't think it's going to be lower. Uh, there's precedent already set with UConn. Uh, there's no way it's going to be lower. The dollar values have changed. Right. The, the amount of material injury to the American is way more substantive now than it was when UConn left. Uh, so I, I can't see it going below 17. And by the way, it, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't read too much in any of this. I think it's going as planned. Uh, they're, they're, everybody wants to make a deal. I don't think this is as petty. This is not a petty situation like the Big 12 is being petty. Uh, no, are you if, sure if about was, that? If this, no, <laughs> I, I have to agree with Eric on this. If this was truly petty, you would have seen a lot more venom coming out. Correct. Um, right. This right. has all been back, you know, in the back channels, and it's only now because they're near the finish line, really are, 
and it's going to be done very soon. They're running out of time anyway. Uh, this is going to happen soon, and they're getting pretty close. They, they whittle things down. Yeah. I think um, I, I think this has been handled well by all parties. In all honesty, like I as well I, as it can be. Yes, um, obviously, uh, yes, you know, yes. teams leaving is never a fun thing. And I think Oresco made some off-putting comments of basically like, "Hey, we don't have to negotiate." The kind of kind of comments he put that out in the public. I think that was not very wise. Uh, but for the most part, outside of that, I think things have kind of progressed about as well as can be expected. And with this news coming out now that the expectation is it's going to get wrapped up and it's going to be for 2023. Now conference USA and America and then Americans moves can start actually yeah. being fully because I conference USA was kind of left in a holding pattern uh, because uh, the American wasn't going to bring in these new schools until they can solve the issues with the old schools. So now I think it's all going to start coming together really quickly. 2023 is going to be the date. The dollars are going to be probably within five million of what that range is. I think it's, it's it yeah. may be a little bit higher, like you said, to kind of satisfy everyone. But I think it's not going to be much different. And we've already seen news about affiliated moves. Uh, and I we'll get to that we'll see, in a second, by the way. Yeah, but I, we'll, we'll, I, I do have I do have one question though, Drew, that I did want to get. Forgive me interrupting, but I think this is important. Carnet uh, Evans reached out on Twitter and said. Um, you know, uh, we're getting ripped off. Uh, no way UCF should be paying anywhere near this much oh, to leave. Boy. Just five months early. Take this to court and save the money. The precedent was set by Louisville and Rutgers. And Eric, I'm going to allow you to sound off on this uh, as well. Uh, <laughs> I he already got to cut that one off because, he, he dude, went, that's apples and oranges. That's a separate contract. Okay, <laughs> well, here's here's his point. And I agree with you guys on this. He, he said for 12, uh, 12 months notice, we uh, – Somebody said, you know, hey, this was UConn had to pay $17 million. That's the precedent. He said for 12 months notice, we'd give it 22. UL and Rutgers paid $11 million for 20 months notice. I replied to him saying the AAC is in a much stronger negotiating position now with its current media deal than it was in 2013. Um, not only you know, that, you- not only that, but at the time, the buyout was $5 million for the Big East. Right. Uh, they didn't. Come. They didn't have. So you're talking very apples and oranges situation here. The yeah. the buyout was five million. It was agreed later to turn into ten, uh, because we already knew when um, when the American formed and, and became solid, Rutgers and Louisville were already on the way out. They were just they were one year rentals. Um, there was just, that was part of the agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were already on the way out. They were under an old contract. That's why eleven million was it's more than double of what the the original buyout was and they tried to push the 10 million before all this kind all the the biggies fell apart and it was shot down because those schools knew they were leaving like the yeah. pittsburgh the syracuse the west virginia they, they all knew they were on their way out so i it's not a fair comparison let's let's go to the yukon part one yukon is one school two outside of women's basketball they're not a heavy valued commodity so yeah, especially in the most, Im- especially in the sport that has the most value. Exactly. Uh, in fact, in football, they they were deadweight, uh, and that was being that's an, and that's being nice because it's really an insult to things that are deadweights. Uh, the truth is, you know, other than that, there, there really wasn't much value at that point. Uh, also, the 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 value of the conference keeps moving up. Uh, we talk about the the media deal; it's a backloaded deal. 
So the first pat was like in the fives and it's moving to the sixes and it's moving to the sevens. And eventually by the time this media deal ends, it's going to be a pad of like 10 million per school. Right. Uh, and that's because it's backloaded. And now the average comes out to around, around seven ish, uh, but it's not all seven flat across the board. So now you're, you're paying for the loss of future revenues um, that that these schools would have brought in through their their productivity to NCAA units uh, from the tournaments, uh, the the bowl money from their football CFP successes, payouts, quite possibly, or 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 I should say, New Year's Six bowl payouts, etc. Yeah, I mean, you know, either or or both or whatever, you know, depending on the, uh, you know, depending on how various years play out. We've already seen them crack the CFP ceiling, so we know it can be done, even though it takes a miracle and a half to get there. Uh, so you have to take those things into consideration. Also, money, you know, everything's becoming more expensive. So buyouts are becoming more expensive. Even though they're giving that extra time, it's still, there's a one season, like lame duck year. It's going to be the mm-hmm. entire academic year. So the difference between getting it done now and done June 30th is the fact that it just makes it easier for the schools coming in to get their stuff done. I, I, I think 17 is actually... You know that I'm sorry, that that's your ground level. I think 17 to 20 is very fair considering how successful these schools have. These three schools have been for the conference. Yeah, I think his contention is the 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 center point of his contention was the American quote. Here, the AAC loses nothing in the TV deal, so why the extra six million plus in quote damages end quote. And I, to that, I I, I think those that's I, I, that's just not that's just not it. Well, <laughs> sorry. They got lucky. They got lucky. Uh, the the um, ESPN, they made a good bet. Well, ESPN did not re- like slash their contract apart. They were they thought about it. They didn't. Um, and I think that's why I think CUSA schools and CUSA schools only were picked, and no Sun Belt schools were touched. I think that was part of the deal. Yeah, because they would have pulled Sun. If you're pulling a Sun Belt school, you're pull, you're pulling a fellow ESPN school. Well, and look what's so happened pulling, now. Look what's happened between the Sun Belt and the America. They pretty much have killed off Conference USA. Uh, Conference yeah. USA. I'm, we're going to get into a little bit as to uh, at, at least two sports that are dead now in Conference USA. But um, to to kind of to kind of put a bow on this, they're not taking into effect. You know, the the NCAA tournament units that Houston has brought that will bring in or, you know, the New Year's six money that UCF or Cincinnati or even Houston will bring in. Cause I guarantee you, if you stretch this out and they stayed in the American, one of those three schools in the near future of that, of that current media deal will make the New Year's six. I mean, it's, I, I would say it's guaranteed. Um, you know, the, the American is the strongest conference at this juncture in football and those programs have all shown the ability to get there and and compete. Yeah. Know, you know, you know, you know, yeah, Cincinnati lost both their games. They lost to Georgia at the very end, but they competed. They can they you know that that's good for the conference. They should have won that game. They should have won that game. Yeah. Uh you know, they you know, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, the truth is they still get paid out the same regardless of the win. And by showing the you know a level of legitimacy. Uh, it's partly what brought them to the, the the Big 12. The Americans losing all of that. They're losing it all. They're, and so they're like, well, we, we want financial compensation. Do you know how much the, the old Big East, now American, sold the name and the Madison Square Garden rights to the Catholic Seven? It was $100 million. I mean, we're talking, you know, 
obviously over a, a stretch of time. But I mean, we're talking massive amount of money was transferred uh, to to buy a name. You know, they're right, right, right. UCF Houston spread over time, though. Build, yeah, over time. UCF Cincinnati Houston build up the American name. You take them away, the American name is now less valuable, and right. they're they're like, well, we want compensation for that. Well, okay. Right, okay. Right. You're, now, you're, now, by the way, a ahead, couple Eric. things also. Mark Daniels told this to uh, Mike Bianchi on the bridge on 96.9. The Big 12 has told the members, if you need help, we'll help you by taking money from future revenue TV deals. and like there. In other words, the Big 12 will chip in to get them out. So and this is not the, unprecedented. They did it with West Virginia. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, that's West are they chipping in? Are they chipping in to help Oklahoma get out? Nope. nope. <laughs> I, still, yeah, yeah, I still think that's going to work itself out. But um, the second part is, and I always love when the ripoff. Um, all these parties have lawyers, and I'm going to say lawyers that are not cheap. I would trust them to what they're doing. Put it to that way. All right. So set, most, settle most down. powerful force in college sports is billable hours. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. Win or lose, the lawyer, the lawyer still win. Yeah, right. I'm pretty confident that these people are being, you know, recommend, you know, they're being advised. And if they're saying 17 million, 17 million is probably fine. I think Drew did a good job of breaking down why that's a fair deal for all parties. So we'll just move on. All right. So let's, well, we're not going to move on just yet from this really interesting topic that we all that we all nerd out about. Uh, in addition to the 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 rest of everything, the American announced this week um, that they are getting some affiliate members in uh, in men's soccer and swimming and diving. We're going to avoid swimming and diving because it doesn't matter to UCF. But um, UAB, Charlotte, FAU, and FIU have all announced that they are joining the American for men's soccer early, which goes back to what we were hinting at early, which effectively is the death knell of Conference USA uh, men's soccer. And, uh, those are the four uh, remaining schools. Those I mean, are the four remaining schools. You can't have a functioning so, conference with four yeah, schools. So, well, so, well, that's, I, that's, so that's over. And Bryson, we talked about this before. Like, this this sets up a this sets up a situation, we'll get to that in a second. This sets up a situation where UCF, at least for the moment, uh, is going to be in a conference for men's soccer with three other schools that live in the state of Florida, plus Charlotte, who you know was was quite good last year, and UAB, who's another southeastern school. So this is a pretty interesting moment right now for UCF in terms of uh, the men, in terms of where the competition in men's soccer. Oh yes, very much so. Charlotte, of course. I looked at the RPI. Charlotte was forty-seven. Very respectable job there, but. UAB, Charlotte, and FAU were already scheduled to join the to join the American. I think what was is what the big one is that FIU is the one that moved, and the fact that FIU moved in both sports as well with men's soccer and women's and, di- and women and swing and diving. The fact that they moved and they're still a full Conference USA member is the indication that those sports are dead in Conference USA. And on there, and on that note, I would keep an eye on men's tennis and beach volleyball because it looks like those sports could potentially be in danger for Conference USA as well. But uh, but I digress. So, um, but FIU joining the American is huge for that because FIU finished it and finished 22 in the men's soccer RPI. Mm-hmm. Very well, very well, 
very well-respected men's Remember, soccer Scott program. Calabrese coat was the head coach at FIU before coming to UCF too. Yes, exactly. And I, and I said that, you know, that it would be great if UCF men's soccer ended up being in the same conference as FIU, because once the conference, once, you know, they made the killing blow on conference USA, I'm like, Oh man, FIU men's soccer has to find a new home. Scott Carr better get Terry Mahajer on the phone right now. And so it should be now that, but now that FIU has moved to the American, now it, it'll be very interesting to see because obviously when we've been talking about these exit negotiations with, with UCF and the American, it, how much is that going to affect men's soccer? And it's going to be very interesting. The good news is, though, is I think that, that no matter what happens, I think UCF men's soccer will be fine. Either we stay in the American and it's still very respectable competition, very great competition, great rivalries, especially with S with SMU. And we have three in in state schools with us, USF, FIU and FAU saves on travel. Awesome. It's either that or the uh, the alternative option. If the bridge has been burned in men's soccer, which I who knows, it depends on how how the negotiations and and end up and if that's been used as a bargaining chip or not or you could end up in the Sun Belt who is an equally as good as good competition wise and you'd be joining with your future conference buddy West Virginia so I, I think I would argue the Sun Belt is actually a better you have Marshall who overall. has a recent national championship yep. I and mean, I think I agree the Sun Belt's actually a stronger yeah. conference. Yeah. JMU's it, good, Old Dominion's good, Coastal's good, Georgia Southern, Georgia State are actually on the way up. Plus, a lot of crappy cities there to go. I'll tell you, it's not about the cities. It's about it's the not about the you cities. It's about the it's I mean, about the competition. Hey, here's, well, the, well, here's let, the other let, thing that's joining the Big Twelve. I mean, we're not talking well, about great, well, you know, like huge here, cities. Well, here's the key on, though that the Sun Belt. You don't love Lubbock there, Drew. You don't love Lubbock, Texas, and Manhattan. Well, here, you got the Little here's, Apple. <laughs> well, here's the here's the thing that the Sun Belt, you know, has done, and I think you know if you're UCF, you kind of got to pay attention to this. The Sun Belt, two things. Number one, the Sun Belt has kind of marketed itself as the home for Power Five men's soccer schools that don't have a conference home. All the Power Five schools that that were in they they were in Conference USA. All the Power Five conference schools that are are in conferences that don't sponsor men's soccer are now in the Sun Belt. So that's Kentucky, South Carolina, West Virginia. UCF would be joining that club. Okay, now. The other thing, and this is where I think the American, you know, I, I, I think this is one of the things that, you know, that Terry Mahajer is really kind of thinking about here. And I think this has to be a consideration. When the American made that decision, Eric Lopez, to remove the conference tournaments, the bidded conference tournaments from the three schools that were leaving, Houston was going to host track and field. They're not anymore. I don't know if Cincinnati was hosting anything, but UCF was scheduled to host softball. Because they were leaving the conference, that I think left a really bad taste in everybody's mouth. Because Cincinnati aside, that stunt with the flag at the football game was really stupid. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But, but every you know everything else aside, UCF in particular and Houston have been very good soldiers for the American yeah, throughout I this entire say process. Houston I, either. Houston's done some what did Houston what did Houston do did they did they did their team run out of the tunnel with a big 12 flag while they were the member of another conference no they didn't no but they already have the big 12 logo up and they took down the American in all their places right as soon as it was announced they were like in all their facilities yes okay so hmm. 
Look, All right. they're, they're, fair enough. But but what I'm but what I'm saying is the, the the American did has done itself no favors with that. And if you're the and if you're UCF and you're the only school that's staying in the American for anything, what's the likelihood if now men's soccer again they the postseason tournament is determined by well to the, it's hosted credit. it's hosted by it's hosted by the top seed. But if they yeah. move to a bidded format where schools bid out. What's the likelihood that UCF is going to well, win a bid? I, I will say this. I don't think soccer's dumb enough to go that route. I actually think softball is to blame. The coaches screwed this up. This should, there should not be predetermined sites for conference tournaments. It should go to the regular season champion if you're going to do a conference tournament. Soccer actually has it the best way, so credit to them on that. Uh, because they could avoid it nonsense like this. Uh, I think the bigger question is... And we'll get more into this down the road is what is the future of men's soccer as a whole? And I'm not talking about UCF. I'm talking about as a sport because I think there's going to be casualties before when this well, is already happened. Cincinnati killed. And I think you're going to see when well, I think you're going to see more. And it's funny. You're saying about the Sun Belt. You're right. It's turning into football Every, it, and basically the power conferences and then everybody gets separated. Uh, so I think if you're UCF, you have to watch that more closely and see where you're most comfortable fit from that standpoint. You want to, you don't want to be on the on the wrong side of this battle that's going on in men's soccer because men's soccer is changing before our very eyes as a sport. And uh, there's going to be a ton of programs that will fold because of this moving forward. There will be well, that's no what, that's sport why I think. Well, that's why I think that will have a bigger loss than men's soccer. Well, that's why I think the 21st century model I actually think is 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 kind of part and parcel with that because you know if you can move men's soccer to a year-round sport you know that at least will get some more eyeballs on it i think you know it, it's you know you're trying it you're lost. trying to be it it does but uh, you know i i think that the the problem is you know what is mls going to do are they going to move to more of a european model right, right. Um, there's so many questions where you have more right, academies right. and stuff like orlando right. city has an academy right the um yeah, which is playing only, but um, I don't know. This it's a real turbulent time. I do think you're right about that, Eric. Go ahead, Bryce. You had a question. Yes. So I wanted to reference because remember, Jeff, back in November, early November, we posted an article about where men's soccer, uh, like the options for men's soccer to go to, and back then the Sun Belt was was had had they hadn't even announced that they were bringing men's soccer back yet at that point. And we talked about how, you know, you have Marshall, Georgia State, James Madison, Coastal, Georgia, Old Dominion. And you mentioned one of the cons of that choice, because I remember you, 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 you mentioning this with that, is the, is the lack of brands in that group. Do you think that the, the, uh, the Sunbelt's addition of those, uh, of those Power Five schools that, you know, uh, like Kentucky, West Virginia, and South Carolina, do you think that helps address that it, because if that was like the con you had for that, does that did that move address that issue for you? No question, no question. When you when you add two SEC schools, South Carolina and Kentucky, plus West Virginia, which is kind of bounced around a little bit, they were in the MAC in men's soccer. Those are those are Power Five schools. They those are the brands that those brands actually do help raise the profile of the Sun Belt Conference. Not to mention. The competition level, Drew. You look like you're about. Well, to say I was going to say they're also former conference mates of UCF soccer, right? In conference, you uh, in conference USA. Although West Virginia wasn't in conference uh, USA, uh, UCF South Carolina, South Carolina, and, and Kentucky were. Kentucky were. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I think they're, you know, I agree about the, about the brand value. I, Marshall has a national championship, but if you're not a men's soccer fan, do you, would you even notice? However, you notice Kentucky and South Carolina, they're SEC schools. Enough said. You don't have to be an avid fan to know the value that that brings. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, it'd be more economical for UCF to stay in the American because you got all that in-state stuff. So you, you've got, you've got pros and cons to each side. And I actually want to, um, I want to pivot a little bit on this because I had to deal with uh, some questions on, on Twitter. Uh, there was uh, one fan complaining. Of, <laughs> yeah. I know. Shocking. Someone complaining on Twitter about how it's yeah, the, not the, the Leroy Jenkins of UCF Twitter. <laughs> strikes Leroy again. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> but no, yeah. this was actually a valid point that had to be addressed where he, where uh, uh, it was said that it was not fair and not and, and hypocritical that the American was being so open about bringing these affiliate schools in for 2022 yet their the negotiations are still ongoing for the three schools leaving and I said that's you know that's not a fair comparison affiliate schools could be here today and gone tomorrow uh, it's basically like yeah we'll let you hang out with us but I'm affiliate schools come and go they do and it's and it's you know the, plus, the, the plus those affiliate schools are going to be full members in 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 due time. Well, three of the four, three, three of the four, of the four yeah. yeah, three of the four. Uh, and part of the, the the reason why it's being done early is they have no home. The conference doesn't offer men's soccer anymore because they don't have enough members. So it's not like yeah. What's oh, the issue with that? So what's the issue with that? Like, why would anybody have a problem? Oh, they were complaining about oh, that's it's hypocritical that they're bringing them in so quickly, yet there's still ongoing negotiations. With the exiting three, one thing is you're talking about you're talking about an affiliate membership versus a full member, which has different rules and bylaws and stuff. Well, especially and responsibilities. men's soccer, which is such a wild sport when it comes to that. Affiliate wild West, man. Yeah. yeah, the affiliate membership gives you a basically gives you a house to live in, but it's not going to give you a salary. Uh, whereas a full member, you get you get you get money, you get real money. So I mean, you're basically terrible, renting the couch. Yeah, you're 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 living on the couch and and eating all your roommates' food. The big the biggest story, by the way, we're focused so much on the future. Who knows what the future? Men's soccer right now. Who knows? Well, this but, is today. This right, is right, well, but here, this is what's going say, on now. Is this? I I think we need to bring this up though. This has kind of gotten lost here. With these members joining this year, this year, yo, the American just got a lot stronger. Men's soccer this year. Like, oh yeah, that did. Oh, no question. No question. Uh, so that. And the scheduling will be fascinating. I'm already going to be fascinated. How do they come up with the schedule? How do they, what's going to be the conference tournament format? Because remember, Jeff, they've been doing 14 play, uh, yeah, tournaments. 14 tournament. Do they stay? Now you've got that, enough for an eight. They expand. Right. You do have they, enough room for eight. What do they eight? do? Right. So this short term, what we do know is they're going to play this year. And what that's going to be fascinating. And, and, and by the way, listen, we were talking about hosting. If you, it's, it's a lot easier to determine the host of the conference tournament in the regular season when you're only bringing four teams in. If you expand it to six or eight, that's a lot of hotel rooms you got to buy, right? right? And on a sh- on short notice, when your conference tournament could start four or five days after you've determined who the number one seed is. That's tough so, logistics. That's real. Right. right, right, that, right and that's on. that's so, underrated in terms of yeah, logistics, right? So they may very well move it to a bidded system. Go ahead, Eric. 
they would, but that would be unnecessary because I don't think that's true. I'm going to tell you why. Somebody who's traveled all over the country in softball tournaments, we're overrating how many people are actually going to travel. You know who's traveling? Parents. And you know what? They're used to traveling on short notice. Trust me. We're not packing the place. I'm not talking about parents, though, Eric. I'm talking about teams. That's fine, but you can get six hotels in one city in a week's notice. Trust me, you could do it. The NC. It depends on the city, really. Is, are you sure? Are you are you yes. sure about that? Yeah, if you pick the it, right city. It really depends because no, it no. It, Drew makes a good point. It depends on the city. Sure, UCF could probably ho- handle it in Orlando. We have more hotel rooms than you know than God. But but mm-hmm. let's think about uh, let's think about some other schools in the American that that might you know, have to do that. Right. I mean, so, most of them, most of them are metropolitan universities, right. Um, which, which helps. However, uh, where, how about you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma? Are you talking about being near the school? Or are you talking about being 20 miles from the school? I mean, uh, you know, not every school is really built for this, uh, especially on short notice. It, you know, I could see, I could see both points on this. Um, it's, it's real simple. Be even even, is, a, even a place like Philly, you could get messy. Go well, ahead. It's hard you know to what, change my, the system in a one year in a one year window. Um, you know, from twenty one to twenty two, you 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 just announced that these schools are all joining as of what was it May fourth, and so now you've got the you got to create a whole new system in a very short time, and so you're going to have to work on those logistics in, in a very short time window you know most yeah. of the schools can do it and the ones they can't it's real simple they don't host you pass sorry move on well it's this, either it's either mm, either you coaches do aren't gonna like that or coaches can stick team. it all right i'm sick of coaches coaches I'm, i need to stop it because you know what it should be about on the field and not some stupid week all right the regular season title should matter and when you do predetermined sites you're basically making the regular season irrelevant well, I, and I won't argue true. that. I won't argue that. Um, but it's I, the whole, if they can't host it, they pass. No, you're number one seed. That's, that's. But you're saying, kind of, oh, well, what if they can do the logistics? Well, that's too bad. Well, then they don't host. You, you got to find, you got to find a workable Either solution. Figure, you you just, can figure you it out. Boy, you, boy, boy, you've never been a director of ops then. I'll tell you that. Look, <laughs> it, wait, wait, do you really think, let me ask you something. I could tell you for the last month in softball, UCF and Wichita State, were going to be the top two teams. You're telling me you couldn't start pl- planning? What do you, what, what do you, wait, let me ask you this. UCF and softball could host. They're going to take five days. They're going to have to have a ton of hotels in a week in a regional. They can figure it out. Can't they? Why is that any different for a conference tournament when you can actually Eric, have that's more time not the reality. You knew coming into no, no, this. No, 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 no. I think it's a baseball. Look at baseball. Or ECU was going to host the softball yeah. tournament. Look you at baseball. That. You have a massive log jam, a massive log jam in baseball. Right, but you're. Missing I think that's a, a better example. It's not a two horse race here. It, it's okay, a long chance. By, by the way, you're also you're also you're also leaving out conveniently leaving out the fact that you might have some other events going on in your city too, such oh, as football yeah, and a women's yeah. soccer tournament as well. But here's the and point. We're not in a vacuum. This is not a vacuum. Here's right. The point. But here's the point. We're gonna have selection Sundays. Sixteen schools get to host. It's a quick turnaround. You don't know if you're gonna host. What if you've host and you find out on selection Sunday? That's the NCAA, and, man. And you put a bit. One. The point is, you plan ahead, and all these schools and conferences can plan ahead. Those you're are acting four like, teams. You're, you're acting like everybody's setup. going blindly. You're acting like teams that's, are going to go blind. Eric, here. Eric, that's Eric. Uh, Drew makes another good point there that proves you wrong. That every bracket in the NCAA, that's a four-team setup. We're talking Correct. about eight teams. Who and says so you got seven that you have says, to hold up somewhere? Who says As opposed to three, you're you're more than a better idea. I, I got a solution then. 
Don't do a conference tournament then if it's such a problem. Don't do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you could go the volleyball way. You could you yeah. could? I'm that that actually is now, a viable now, solution. Fair, now, and I'll defend the school conferences and coaches in this. A lot of them are forced to do it because television wants it. Like volleyball is lucky; nobody cares. But Money. Uh, yeah, nobody cares in volleyball because there's no TV slots during conference tournaments in volleyball. There's this thing called football that kind of dominates that What's time that? period. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty popular. But, like, for example, softball and baseball draw big numbers in tournaments. Like, the conference tournament, the SEC by, tournament. By the way, if they if they move if they move soccer, men's soccer, to the spring, guess what? You're going to get bigger TV numbers. I disagree with that, actually. I, I don't because you're not fighting with football. No, but, it's but a you're different fighting. Crowd. Remember, remember yeah. Eric, there's a different – it's a different crowd. You know, the, a softball fan may not necessarily be a soccer fan and vice versa. There, there are soccer exclusive. Right, right, right. But there. my point, I think we saw this. The problem that soccer better, I mean, yes, if they get to the spring, they'll probably get a better time slot. Maybe. Would it be a big, a big change? Maybe not. But I no. mean, they're, they're, they would Very still improve minimal. Getting away Very from minimal. Because the time slots are going to be, ta- for example, like soccer, you have the NHL playoffs, the NBA, you have softball, baseball. All of that's going to have priority over soccer. Heck. Beach volleyball has priority over soccer uh, in the spring. So you better be careful about that if you're soccer, unless you're willing to. And then, like, you can't end your season in March because that's called March Madness. You have basketball. There's a lot of no, traffic. That, well, the, the 21st century model, they don't have it ending in March. When do they have it ended in? Uh, I'm going to look that up real quick. Go because either, either way, if you go in March, you got March Madness basketball. No, you, you can't have it end in March. You'd have to end it in April. Um which you know you get you, you pivot just a little bit and as far as your your season but april they, has they would they would, have, they would actually have the uh the 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 conference regular season would be from mid-march to late april with the postseason starting late april and going through may Yeah, that's a mistake because you're not going to get any slots there you got that's nba playoffs nhl playoffs softball NCAA tournament baseball postseason around the corner oh by the way you got major league baseball going on you got racing going on NFL draft. There's a lot of TV. Like you're probably going to be on ESPN. No one news. watches racing. Yeah, big to differ. Unfortunately, yeah. they do. They, but anyway, we'll see. That's that's the model that they're looking, which we'll get to. In a, but I, I I'll tell you the truth. I I think that you know. You, Hopefully, we have enough gonna, actual soccer schools to have a tournament. How about that? Let's focus. Let's hope. Well, let's hope there's like, not enough. Casualties. It looks like it looks like that was going to happen. I I just don't think the story's done yet. I mean, well, I think once it's, you once you do women's soccer the same way. You, you move it just you yeah. know, and, and basically uh, women's so- no, not no, necessi- women, no not women's necessarily from what I've been from what I've been hearing women's soccer would like the men to sort of be the guinea pigs for this model <laughs> and they and, have more power and and uh, we'll, we'll we'll let you guys figure that out see how it goes and then if we like it we'll do something maybe slightly different or maybe the same we don't know just like basketball women will follow the men that's what happened in basketball. The women followed the men when it came to the March Madness and the four. It like women's just went to sixty-eight in basketball because they saw what the men did. So you. That's it's not the, that, that they saw what the men did; is that they got raked through the coals of inequality. I mean, come on, you, you can't be serious and say, "Oh, they're just following the men." No, that's that's a crock of crap. That that's absolute BS. What, do you mean? what are you talking this, about? This comes down to the fact that because of how bad the NCAA got destroy over how this the the inequality between how they treated the women's tournament versus the men's tournament and it was really bad well that's you're talking yeah. about the facilities now, and stuff, but now what does that, that, that a, doesn't it's have it's anything a, to do with they're, going to they're looking at a, a a balanced identical system 
yeah, it worked for the men, but that's not why they're doing it for the women. It's not that it worked for the men. It's that absolutely they got absolutely destroyed. I mean, and and they deserve to so. get destroyed. They deserved yeah. every piece of hate and venom that they got for that. Uh, this is the it, it was a total embarrassment, do. a total embarrassment. But that I doesn't mean, mean you have to go to sixty eight though. Sixty eight works. Why? Why not? I mean, why? Heck. Because there's not enough good women's basketball teams to field 68. I mean, heck, I would argue there's not enough to field 48 right now. Heck, 60. I mean, I I just think the way I don't I'm not a fan that you have to copy everything that the men do. You do what's best for you. Like the thing that softball has done very This was the only viable solution, though. And you know it. To go to 68? how, How the NCAA got destroyed. The only way they could save face on this was to make it identical to the men okay but then don't complain when you nobody pays attention to you that's a different argument attention to that's men. a different argument because my, i would rather be different be different softball has been different than baseball and that's why it's past college baseball it's now. a different it's sport Correct. Yeah, it Completely is. It, that's different what i was sport. gonna say yeah no, but people make the casual the casual sport. person doesn't make that compare they because they're dumb the i mean come on softball and baseball that was Andrew are nothing Luke alike. with those comments there they're, um, they're, they're Softball and baseball are nothing alike. The only the only thing And that I would they, argue women's basketball and men's basketball are nothing alike either. But they they play on the same court. They shouldn't. But they do with the same dimensions. I mean, it doesn't Eric, change. Eric, is that the hill you want to die on right now? No, no, I'm serious. I think women's basketball should play in smaller arenas so you have actually an, a better atmosphere. Like I think UCF women's basketball shouldn't be playing like in 50 people but the court's three. still the same size agreed, agreed, it's still right, the same dimensions make, it's the same can, game the rules are the same small, correct it's not like baseball softball which has a di- different field dimensions different ball together uh although, materials are different everything's different i will say women's basketball went to four quarters see and that was smart it's made the game quicker men's basketball has stayed on half so you don't have to do every single thing that the men's do it it makes the se- no it makes it makes the game seem quicker it's not it's not actually quicker the reason why it's quicker is because the commercial breaks are are shorter. It's because the games aren't on CBS Sports. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this for you as well. Um, we have a basketball program still, by the way. Yes, we actually yes. do. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in. It uh, exists. In a, All the, it is, it's called the segue, folks. We'll talk segue. about that when we return from a break here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Uh, we'll also and we'll also have Bryson in to talk a little bit more about uh, tennis and golf as they as they go through their postseason. Stick around, the Black Gold Banner Podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, with you. Drew had to dip out, but we still have Bryson with us here for the final segment. Dan, we're talking uh, kind of grab bag of everything else. I want to talk about basketball um, real quick. We'll start with the men who announced another transfer in addition to. Uh, the two guys we talked about last week, Lahat Chun has uh, announced that he's coming to UCF. Listed as a junior, a center, he played last at Utah, 6'10", 228. He, is a, uh, he does have Florida ties. He went to Florida prep. He's originally from Dakar, Senegal, same place that uh, that Jong is from. Um, and uh, last year for Utah, I just wanted to pull up his stats here real quick. He had, uh, he averaged... Uh, 3.8 points uh, to go with uh, 3.5 rebounds in uh, in 301 minutes of uh, of action. He actually only started five games. Uh, in the games that he started, uh, he put up uh, he put up double figures in one of them against against Arizona. Had 10 points, 
two rebounds. His best game last season, 16 points, seven rebounds against Manhattan on four or five shooting. Um, this is another big guy to go with Michael Durr, who's coming in. Um, and Eric, I think that this is, uh, that he, may, it, it's, you lose Jong due to graduation. You lose Reynolds, Jamil Reynolds as well. He's in the transfer portal and may go to, uh, I think, was it either Temple or some other place? But South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. Uh, but you could get two really solid big men here. Could this be an upgrade? Uh, to be determined. We'll see. I mean, we got to see them on the court. We got to see how they play together on the court. Uh, you know, but you're getting bodies, you're getting size. That's always good. Whether they're better or not, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. We won't know that until we see them on the court in November. But you're, you know, you got to fill the roster up, and when you have you find size, that's nothing to sneeze at. So that's that's the way I would look at it. So at least they've yeah. got the front this court guy, there upgrade. Uh, you know, address this guy's played. This guy's played for them. He's he's played 45 games the last two seasons. So uh, um. Yeah, or, or is two is two or let's see forty five and or from twenty and twenty one, and then uh, and then he played obviously in twenty one twenty two. So I mean, this guy has three years under his belt. Like this is this is not some young kid. So I think that's also actually a tremendous benefit for UCF too. Uh, on the women's side, uh, Bryson, pretty interesting situation that developed. That UCF announced on May second they're doing a recruiting shutdown for this week, May second through the eighth. No visits, no contacts, no phone calls, no evals, no social media interactions. Um, they're go- they're going dark for a little bit, and we didn't see a reason why. Is is there anything that? Uh, um, I, I believe it's uh, I, I believe it's NCAA. It's an NCAA mandated shutdown uh, for the time being. But this is actually kind of a benefit for Coach Messer too, because she still has to assemble her assistant coaches and she's probably in the process of actually doing some in-house evaluation to get her roster sorted out right yeah i would say so um you know looking around um that you know obviously uh, assembling your staff we've been seeing a little rumblings of rumblings of that and yeah i mean coach messer basically has to has to build this program from the from the ground ground up essentially. And, and that, that is an NCAA. I should clarify. Forgive me, Bryson. I'm sorry, but I wanted to get this out of this. Is that, that is an NCAA mandated recruiting shutdown May second through the eighth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. I, I think it does give Coach Messer a some much needed time. I think to really evaluate where she wants this program wants this program to go because she's essentially starting with a with a clean slate the only the only player that uh, again that on the roster that has had any semblance of like real playing time last season is destiny thomas and even and now that the transfer portal uh uh, now that the transfer portal deadline i believe is now passed with may 1st it looks like it she's now it looks like she's gonna stay so basically you have destiny Thomas and then that's about it. So you're basically starting from the ground up here. And so I think this is definitely gives her some much needed time to really figure out who she wants her staff to be, who, you know, who is she going to, you know, who's in the transfer portal right now? Who are some of the new recruit? Who are some of the new recruits that she can keep? Uh, because obviously Abe was probably recruiting some people. So now Messer has to probably get, get into contact with them. It's a whole bunch of, a bunch of things that it takes a lot of time to do it a lot of time to do so uh, you know th- i think that this debt period is a 
perfect time for her because obviously she's been very busy lately, but now she can really hone in on the staff side, I believe. I, I believe the staff now, side, because she definitely needs to do that. Now we hear these terms thrown around a lot like dead period. There's actually a, a, a definition to what the what a quote dead period end quote is. A dead period Coaches may not have any in-person contact with recruits or their parents, but communication is still allowed via phone, email, social media, and other digital communication channels. However, we're in a recruiting shutdown, which means no contact at all. Uh, Not even no visits, no avows, no phone calls, no nothing. And that ends on the 8th. I think once UCF comes – now, there are four dead periods in the course of – the uh, in the course of the calendars, there's two recruiting shutdowns. The next one's going to be August. Uh, it, it, the next one's going to be in August, and then there's a dead period in July. Um, and now, Bryson, you did a little sleuthing on the web, and I know that you found that we may have a possible lead on at least one assistant coach that may be in Coach Messer's sights. Yes, it was actually quite the fun time. I was at the baseball game on Sunday against Tulane, and I was hanging out there at the media table with Trace Troco, Brandon Helwig, and uh, Eric came by after the softball game was over, and we had the four of us just had a grand old time. And one of the things that we that we noticed while we were there is that is that Greg Brown, who was a former UCF women's basketball head coach under Joy Williams, the coach before Abe, uh, he changed his Twitter the Twitter bio to assistant coach UCF women's basketball. We haven't had any official uh-huh. announcements or anything, but he, I mean, you don't just change your Twitter bio for no reason. I don't know if he just went, he just did it on a whim or I don't, or maybe they want, maybe UCF wants to like announce the whole staff all at once. And he just got, had recently gotten hired and he went and changed it. And I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm very in, intrigued that we, that, that change has been made, especially with his historical ties to the program. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, after uh, coach Williams, uh, left. He went to uh, Lipscomb for a period of time um, and uh, wrote a book as well. Um, you know, he, 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 and, and <clears throat> excuse me. So he's, I mean, we know of his ties, obviously, to UCF and, of course, to the women's basketball world uh, in general. So, well, if that turns out to check out, it'd be cool to have Coach Brown back. He was cool. I, I remember him, you know, talking to him a lot when when I was working in house and coach Williams was the head coach here. And, um, and I understand that, uh, that there, I mean, probably came, who knows? I don't know if joy may, maybe recommended Greg to, to coach Messer or whatnot, but it'd be nice. It's always good to see familiar faces around. Yeah. I think it's, uh, good that, I think it's good. that coach Messer is gets, has gets somebody with ties to the pro with ties to the program. I think that's a, a solid move on her part to help, uh, help integrate her more into the area. I think. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk. Uh, it's a small world, right? Let's talk tennis and golf. Uh, latest. Up, I want to start with uh, w- with golf here, uh, Bryson, because we had both UCF golf teams make the NCAA regionals. One was not a surprise, but one was. Oh yes, very much. So. Yes, very much so. So 
so the men's so men's golf got it, it got selected and when i looked at that now because looking at how at the men's soccer men's golf's performance this season i honestly did not think the team would get inducted i thought maybe johnny Travali would get in as an individual but as a team i had my doubts but you know, my, my little brother, he's a big golfer, so I figured he'd like it too. And so we sat down together and watched the selection show. And when I saw UCF come up for the New Haven Regional, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So I so I took a look at the, at the golf stat standings, and this is how close it was for UCF making this. According to golf stat, UCF is ranked number 68. Right behind them is Colorado State, who was also a number 11 seed in a regional that I cannot remember. I can't remember which one, but I remember seeing that, it was, that Colorado State was a number 11 seed in another regional. Mm-hmm. The, the, the team ranked ahead of UCF, Iowa. Iowa did not make it as a team wow. into a regional. They got some individuals. Like, I think they got two individuals, but as a team, they did not make it. That is how close yeah, UCF's is. probably one of the last teams in. So they were the they're last team in. Very much on the bubble and the bubble did not burst. Yep. And and I and I looked because like, okay, so how does Iowa make it and UCF not make it? Well, I took a look. Iowa finished it, Iowa finished in seventh in the Big Ten champion in the Big Ten championship. 31 31 over now 30 and 31 over. Now the win was 21 over, so it was probably just a tough call, of course, in general. But Iowa finishing seventh in the Big Ten Championship. Now you look at uh, that you at UCF in the American Championship. They finish fourth, and at and and at four under. Now at plus with three golfers in the individual top ten. I think that that momentum because they were because looking at the at, at men's golf schedule, they did not have the momentum going into this. Like yeah. the American tournament was their best tournament in months. And I think that that tournament was able to give them the, just that small push over a team like Iowa into the, into the, into the regional, which hats off to Johnny Trevally, Teddy Tetak, and Igor Aroshenko for doing that. Trevally and Tetak, by the way, they were, they were unanimously selected, both of them, unanimously, unanimously selected to the all-conference team. So well done to the, so well done to those two, but absolutely well done there by men's golf to be able to get that, get one, one last tournament in there and be able to make enough of a case for themselves that they, that they got in over a team like Iowa. So men's golf, they play in New Haven, May 16th through the 18th. Of course, their counterparts on the women's side play one week earlier in Ann Arbor, Michigan, May 9th through the 11th. So that starts uh, this coming weekend. The women will be keeping an eye on them as well let's flip over to uh tennis and we have both of those uh both of uh, uh, the schedule set for um both of those teams uh as well uh bryson the women's tennis team heading uh will be heading south uh in the uh, to the miami regional uh that starts tomorrow friday may the 6th through the 8th uh they're in the regional uh down in coral gables they will face Alabama, who's ranked number 40 in the opening round. UCF is ranked number 22, 10 a.m. on Friday. Uh, Miami is number 12, they, so UCF is the number two seed in that, re, in that region. They will face Stetson at number 64. Miami will. Winners face each other 
on May the 7th at 1 o'clock. So um, UCF does not host. We thought that was a possibility. I think the performance in the American Athletic Conference Tournament probably is what is what did that in. But they will play down south against uh, – and, and actually looking at this, it's quite possible, Bryson, though, that they may have been forced to go down to Miami anyway, regardless of what happened. In well, I, I will say this: if they would have won the con, well, if they would have won the conference tournament or gotten to the final, I part, I think they would have ended up in Gainesville. The way the seeds break out, I think the committee punished them for losing early to USF and dropped them down to Miami because I think Florida State ended up going to Gainesville. If you look at the seeding, Florida is what a sixteen, Bryce, and you have the bracket there. There, whereas Miami's a nine. So I think that's what happened. I think UCF was in the mix to host. I think if they would have won the tournament, they maybe go to Gainesville. They lose. They get because they lost so early. They get quote knocked down to Miami. I think it's what happened there. Yeah, Florida six. If Florida is a sixteen seed, and yeah, uh, so I, I will tell you that the the, the rankings. So UCF is ranked number twenty one, and Alabama is ranked number forty one as of the ITA rankings ranked yesterday check out where's florida state and their opponent uh because that'd be a good comparison where florida state i think fiu florida, would be a boom, right? florida state is un is unseated they're facing uh fiu actually directly opposite the winner of that plays the winner of south alabama and florida so yeah. where, where are they ranked in the ita rankings though in the ita rankings i can give you that that'll give you an idea of what the committee was thinking there so now, florida, the okay fiu is 42 so one yeah, spot behind alabama and then Florida State is 35. Yeah. There you go. So that's that's my point. UCF, based on those rankings, should be in Gainesville. But the committee punished them for losing to South Florida, so dropped them down to Miami, basically. Yeah. So it should be – yeah, it, it should be an interesting matchup, though, this time. So the win, um, the winner of UCF Alabama is going, to be go, is going to go up against the winner of Miami and Stetson. And UCF women's tennis is no stranger to Miami. They faced them twice in NCAA tournaments in the past couple of years. They lost to them in 2018. And then last season, they faced them in the second round, and they won that one. And they yeah, also, what, and, a, what a shocker. The committee's yeah. putting the same teams over and over again in regionals. Yeah. Where have we seen that well, before, we also, Well, Yeah, I know, right? Well, we also played – UCF also played Miami earlier this season on February 20th yeah. down at Coral Gables. Lost 5 nothing to then number 21. The Canes are ranked number 21 at that time. But familiar opponent. But you have to get through Alabama first. I yeah, will Alabama. say that yeah, – right. Yeah. Now, we'll say this. Uh, one of the advantages – and this is an interesting topic in softball that's going on as well – if UCF would have gone to Gainesville, you're paired up against Florida as a 16, which means even if you win the Gainesville regional, you're paired up against the number one overall seed more than right. likely by going to Miami. If you beat Miami, you're probably going against the eight seed. So it's a little easier from that standpoint. And that is a, a topic because I know in softball, well, like we're talking about you softball hosting. If you're softball, I think they rather host. Let me just say that up front. However, if softball, is a 16 seed you're going to probably be paired with oklahoma whereas if you go to gainesville you're going to be opposite more than likely opposite the oklahoma bracket so i actually while ucf dropped a little bit here and quote unquote maybe got punished by the committee this may work out for them in the long run as far as making a deeper run in the postseason well it's funny you mentioned the eight seed eric you want to know who the eight seed is sure pepperdine oh yeah where we've seen them before. been there before <laughs> yeah i know Christ. so 
this could be a great yeah so we could actually end up having if ucf makes it that that, that far we could potentially see a repeat of last time where we have a Miami great originality FFM, everybody FFM. although tennis has more of a ranking system. listen I, you're not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain about being sent out to malibu i mean come on let's I mean, be real here oh yeah they're pretty good malibu though, I mean, Okay, but I mean they're a pretty good team. That's my point. It's a tough, yeah. pl- it's a tough Malibu. <laughs> yeah, it, well, no, yeah. I have to ask Brian that. Yeah, anyway. this, you're literally playing on the beach. Like it's great. <laughs> hey, I mean, and hey, that USF loss could easily have been kind of the uh, the the because the, that uh, kick and punch in the gut they needed to make sure they're not they don't get complacent. Like because UCF women's tennis has done a fairly decent job through the rest of the year than the year, and so getting that that punch in the gut by losing early in the conference tournament could could conceivably well, and they're battle tested and they've been here before so we'll see what happens and hey we know this there's some unfinished business ucf alabama five years ago we know what we're talking about finally on the field settled <laughs> also on also in in the women's tennis world by the way uh congratulations to marie mattel who got selected as the automatic qualifier for the american athletic conference in the ncaa women's tennis singles championship so mattel got selected as an individual for that tournament for that tournament that is going to going to be played after the team championship is over that's on may 23rd may 23rd to 28th so that's going to be after the team championship and so as long as mattel doesn't you know do something you know not do something between between now and then then we'll see her play in in the singles championship and i double check and i and i double check that i believe that this is now the third straight tournament now that ucf has a has a singles representative zaleva zaleva was there in 2019 Mm. 2020 there was no tournament because covid and then 2021 you had zaleva and stolmar so this is now the third straight season the fourth all time that ucf could, could have a singles a singles player represented in that tournament yeah. Bummer on the men's side. Nobody got nobody got picked. Yes, that um, I think that um, that's the, I checked that I checked this the record book on that one, and this is the first time that there will be no UCF representatives at all since 2016. Because s- since 2016, men's tennis has had a representative in an NCAA tournament in some way, shape, or form. In 2017, it was Corey Lovett in the singles tournament. In 2018, it was Lovett and Vasa in the doubles tournament. In 2019, it was Gabe DeCamps and Pavel and Hildebrand. 2020, no tournament. And then 2021, you have Gabriel DeCamps in the singles. The team made the championship in 2017, 2019, and 2021. So this this year now is the first time ever there will be no UCF men's tennis at all since John Roddick took over in 2016 and i mean it is what it is on that front i mean there is some good tennis players there hildebrand and pavel still had a solid season i just think that maybe they got that that roddick maybe got them paired up together again in the spring a little too late i think if they were playing together i think if they were playing together since the beginning of the spring i think they would be in but you you can't but that said he he needed to develop a new doubles pair. He really needed to yeah. do that. And Cronhey, Cronhey did a good job paired up with Pavel. And then you paired up Cronhey and and then you paired up Cronhey and Cooper White together. And you paired you you pair the two of them up, and they've been doing a very solid job. So I mean, I think that this year is very much a development year. I think 
for men's tennis because all you're losing, the only two seniors that are leaving are Kent, are you have Kento Yamada, who I believe is left, Alan Ruby, senior Alan Rubio, and then and then anyone else that's playing didn't really get a lot of playing time. The only real loss for this team this season is Alan Rubio. So the majority of the players that have done solid this season, Bogdan Bavell, Trey Hildebrand, Cooper White, Leighton Cronhey, they're all coming back next year. And so I think that this could be a situation where Roddick is just kind of taking a little bit of a, like taking some time now to really build up. So they're firing on all cylinders next season. Now that said, the scheduling was still really hard, but I mean, Hey, if you're going to go and do a sort of a retooling against some of the best in the country and still do what men's tennis did, then I think it should be very interesting to watch them in 2022. And we'll see if this gambit plays off by John Roddick. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I got I got to the, I got to this. Um, so track and field and rowing both finished up their regular seasons last week. Last weekend, both of their conference championships are going to be coming the weekend of May, of, of May 15th. The track and field will be from May 13th to, to the 15th. And then rowing is on the 15th. That's for the American Conference Championships in both sports. And then also uh, for tr- for track. Renaya Jones and Adrian Adams in, in this in, in the discus throw, they swept the uh, tr- the AAC track and field athlete of the week honors. That's the second straight week that UCF has has done that. And they did this so by getting us uh, both got, get silver medals in the 100 meter hurdles and the discus throw, respectively. Renaya Jones also ran her fastest time in the 100 meter hurdles this season at a 12.79 time. You know, you want to know the one person that beat her? Brittany Anderson, an Olympian that represented Jamaica in 2020. Mm, not bad. So not, not a good, not, not a bad way to end your regular season. I'll tell you that. So uh, it seems like the track is firing on all cylinders heading into heading into the uh, to train up for the conference championship May 13th through 15th, and then rowing finish up their season, and they'll ha- head head out to Oak Ridge, Tennessee, for their championship on May 15th. And uh, one last little thing here that I wanted to. I wanted to point out that as we wrap up here, a um, little interesting news that actually came down this morning, right, Eric? ESPN Plus and Oklahoma have announced an agreement for Sooner Vision to move to ESPN Plus. Multi-year rights agreement launches in August with 100-plus live events a year. Um, now, Sooner Vision was Oklahoma's pay-per-view platform. Is that right, Eric? It was all, it was all run in-house, wasn't it? It was on in-house production they would carry a lot of their like softball for example a lot of their games would home games would be on that sooner vision right uh, so that was that was the that was remember we talked about third tier media rights that's right. where they were running their and and the big 12 you could, previously you could do that wherever ou and texas is texas's third tier media rights were on the longhorn network ou's is on the sooner vision thing and yeah, but now they're moving that to espn plus Starting next in August, and that's significant. It means, uh, in fact, they usually have one football game that airs on pay-per-view. That will not be the case now. Now it'll be on ESPN+. And I think this is a transition to when they go to the SEC, then they'll join the SEC network and all that stuff uh, deal. So it's a good move for them. Again, I'm in the minority on this. A lot of people right now, the bandwagon, the trendy thing is to say, well, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be here for a couple more years in the Big 12. I'm not buying it. I still think they're going to work a deal out. Somebody will cave. Somebody's going to write the check. Probably four-letter network will write that check, help write that check too. 
I still think everybody's going to be where they want to be by the fall of 23. But And I think, again, you're starting to see little deals being made here, moves happening. And I think this is the latest one with Oklahoma in their third tier. tier. I'll tell you why I think this is significant from a UCF perspective. This shows you the power of ESPN+. Plus. Yep. Now, Absolutely. We've, we've, you and I have talked about it. And listen, we're biased. We do work for, for UCF on ESPN+. Plus. I get it. But you know something, folks? That doesn't mean we're wrong. ESPN Plus has been a huge boost to UCF outside of football and basketball. Huge boost in terms of getting the profile of, of softball. Baseball, women's basketball, volleyball, out front. Okay? And I hope and pray. I don't know where we are with the Big 12 TV contracts, but I hope and pray that whoever's negotiating that, those third-tier rights are going to go to are, are going to ESPN+. Plus I would be surprised. Is there. I, right. I would be I, surprised. Listen, we, I, I, I agree with you, but you know something? You and I, in all these years, we've seen stranger things happen. Right, I, I right, just... Right. I, I, I just like it's been such a it's been such a tremendous boost for UCF and all of these programs that we care about and that we want to see succeed and we want to see get get the exposure that they deserve. I it's I I, I don't know what the other what the other alternatives would be, but I'll tell you the truth. I don't I don't think that you get the kind of exposure that you get. No, ask the Big Ten and how that Big Ten Network Plus is going for them. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, but the thing is, and this is something that's important, you can strike a deal, TV deal, with another partner. So if, like, if you don't sign a deal with ESPN, you could sign with Fox or CBS for football, for example, and still have a deal with ESPN for other sports. In fact, Conference USA just struck a deal with ESPN. Conference USA has no deal with ESPN. They just struck a deal with ESPN Plus to carry the conference tournament. So it's now becoming to the point where ESPN plus is like the a place where a lot of conferences are going, even if they don't have a quote, you know, maybe they don't have a deal with them for football or basketball, but they might go with them for Olympic sports. So that's mm-hmm. something to monitor as well. I would not be surprised if you see some combination of that. We got to see how the other conferences are playing. The big 10 reportedly has a deal pretty much done. are going to get over a billion dollars so they can get away with it. Ugh, but, I, wow. but, I, but I would argue that the big 10, now, by the way, that's, that's they're splitting a, a billion dollars a year between all of their schools. The yeah. Americans, the, remember the Americans TV contract with ESPN is a billion dollars total, total through yeah. 20, through 2032. I think it was Eric. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 2031, 2032. Uh, sure. This is, this is a billion dollars a year being split between those schools. Correct. Uh, so, and they're probably going to be on Fox. There's some talks that might be on CBS, might pick up the package. Oh, uh, but you know, as far as the big 12, I think they're going to get a good money deal. That's why the big 12, I think the, the belief is they're going to be very confident. They're going to get a good t- a deal because there's television options. There's streaming options. And I think, I don't think the big 12 is going to sign an exclusive deal with anybody. I think it's going to be multiple partners and I think there'll be multiple platforms for that. And I, I would the next be... deal after that's going to be the bowl game too. That's the other, correct. The bowl games. And I think people have to, yes, football is a big part of this. But the Big 12 basketball TV deal is a big deal. Like, that's the big, right? That's the number one conference for ESPN as far as television. Like, their big Monday schedules around the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They uh, play a ton of Big, big 12 it, it basketball is, games. It is bigger than other 
conferences Absolutely. for sure. I don't think it's as big as football, but it is big right, comparatively which speaking wise. in it basketball, helps, which yes. helps. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, Oklahoma going to the ESPN Plus now for uh, their other sports starting in August. And, again, I think we're starting to see dominoes play out here. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a busy summer, man. I'll tell you that. We are going to be busy on this podcast throughout the summer with all these deals. Uh, make sure you follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Follow us individually, Eric Lopez Elo, Jeff underscore Sharon. It's Bryson Turner. Also, thanks to Drew Statboy. Drew, for, follow, uh, for coming in. In the first two seconds, you also want to f- make sure that you follow uh, Kyle Nash as well, the SOTG for the student of the game on Twitter. Follow us at facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Thank you so much for listening to the black and gold banneret podcast. We are a production of Vox Media. Uh, make sure that uh, you subscribe to us if you don't already, wherever you get your podcasts from. And uh, follow us on all of our social media channels as well. And don't forget to follow us on our YouTube channel as well for the latest post-game uh, reaction from all of our UCF sports. For Bryson Turner, Eric Lopez, and Andrew Glukov, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Enjoy the weekend. We will catch you next week.